0: And finally, Hot shot, Scott, we have ourselves, if we can get through it, an episode 203, many weeks later. I'm
1: actually glad you said the number. I couldn't remember what number we were on. It was so long ago. I have no idea what episode this is. I'm, I'm glad you said 203, so I will welcome myself. Yes, I'm here. Thank it's you. It's
0: been forever. Mitch Unfiltered is available on all major podcast platforms. We really need to be rated and reviewed on the Apple podcast platform, so please... It would really help us with booking guests and all kinds of stuff. You could also become a Mitch Unfiltered patron for just $5 a month and have access to all the bonus shows, Danny O'Neill, Slick Hawk, each and every week, and of course, all these music entries that we get from Hotshot Scott, those special yes. music podcasts. Now that they've been ousted in the Little League Softball World Series, any chance to get the next one anytime soon or no?
1: <laughs> is that what you were banking on? Is that, is that why you were rooting against them the whole time? Wow, now I get it finally. <laughs> yes, maybe, maybe. I was we'll not
0: see. I was not rooting against them, I promise. I, I was okay, not good. rooting against them. Anyway, $5 a month to get uh, access. You can just go to MitchUnfiltered.com. If you'd like to be a patron with access, but you don't have the $5 a month or it's an issue, I will take care of you. Just write to me. Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. I start with Stump the Band each and every week, so I might as well start this episode with a little Stump the Band. Are you ready, Hot
1: Shots guy? Oh, it's been a while, but I'll see what I can do.
0: <laughs> well, you know that LeBron James was in Seattle over the weekend. Are you aware of that story? We're actually covering that story with one of our guests, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Was
0: that the Jamal Crawford game? Yeah. The Jamal Crawford okay, yeah. game that ended in the middle of the second quarter because of condensation. You get LeBron James to Seattle to play a charity game and you have to cancel the game in the second quarter because of condensation on the floor because it was so damn muggy outside in Seattle. They had Florida Florida wow. weather in Seattle. We'll get there in a second, but did you know that LeBron James signed a contract extension or agreed to a contract extension last week? Do you know that? Yeah, I think I heard that. Okay, It's a two-year $97 million contract extension. We should all be able to Signed two-year, $97 million contract extensions when we're all the cockers. But uh, that's going to take him into his 40s. He's going to be 38, I believe, in December, which got me to thinking. He doesn't seem like he's close to the end just yet. And it got me to thinking, what NBA player in history has played the most games after turning 40 years old? So so I figured maybe I'd ask you and our listeners that question. What NBA player in NBA history has played the most games after turning 40 years old? Stump the band, episode 203.
1: I mean, you have to go with Kareem would be my first guess for any sort of longevity. It was my first guess too. And it's not Kareem. No. How about Vince Carter?
0: He'd play in his 40s. You know, he played forever. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is third. Vince Carter is second. You have now successfully Whoa. come up with numbers 3 and 2, which is very really? very very impressive. You just now you got to zero in on the man who who played 242 games, hot 242 games after he turned 40 years old. Robert Parrish. No. Just judging by your face. I don't
1: know. Wow. Is that right? You just named them. If you saw this, come on, this is, this, I is swear this is where on my life. I was going to say Carl Malone. So I remember he, he signed with the Lakers and was old. I thought maybe he was just hanging around, but well, and plus you have to go big man. I mean, I know that Vince Carter's not a big man, but I was
0: thinking old big men. And wow, that's cool. Three, two and one. I got it. and you got him in order. This it's is in like order and yeah. like family feud with like Steve Harvey. <laughs> you've got you got numbers three, two and one. You were one where, where values were doubled. You just won the opportunity to go to the bonus round. It's unbelievable. I, I can I, tell I, you've been hanging around with your mom. You've been watching family feud. <laughs> I have been walking around Miami, Florida, asking this question, <laughs> trying to get a beat on whether anybody is going to be able to answer this question. I have decided that nobody got it right. You are the first person to not... Forget three in a row. You're you're the first person to get the right answer, and you came up with all three. This is... This is unprecedented in Mitch unfiltered history. I don't, I don't understand. And for all those jerks
1: that say I don't watch sports, or I don't know anything about sports, you're right. But occasionally, I'll get something like this right.
0: The answer, I have my, my sweet spots. The answer is Robert Parrish out of the centenary, I think. 272 games after 40. Vince Carter was second. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was third. Okay, so we've buried the lead. You and I have not visited either on the air or off the air. Since Greenville, North Carolina, do you have uh, a PS? Do you have a summary? It was a quick trip. You guys went in, you went out. It was interesting because you told me that you thought you would have no trouble with the first game. You told me Mm. that you you thought that you probably would beat them like 8-1 or 8-2. And not only Mm. did you lose the first game, but that's the team that ended up winning the Little League World Series title, right? The team that beat you in the first game from Texas. They won it all, right? You are correct. Yes. Unbelievable. Yeah, I'm going to go to my
1: grave saying the same thing. They're still better than O2. No one will be able to convince me otherwise. It just didn't happen, but I from what I saw from those teams, I didn't see, you know, you're supposed to lose to someone that you just know you can't beat on your best day. You know, we've all come across those like there's no way those teams weren't walking around North Carolina. I, I thought our team could have hung with any of them, but it just didn't happen. They had a, a seven-run blow-up hole in the first game. I'll use a golf metaphor to keep you interested. Yeah. <laughs> a seven-run blow-up hole in the first game and then a six-run blow-up hole on the second game. You know, they were it was one-to-one one through five in the second game. And, yeah, just had two big innings and just, yeah, got, got shown the door early. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still not over it in case you're wondering. <laughs> I haven't moved on yet. <laughs>
0: were you able to enjoy the experience? Were the girls able to enjoy the experience even though it was two and done? It's a good question. I mean, I think some of the more competitive ones are still kind of
1: hurting from it. And you know, it just, it, it, that's a long way to go for two games. You know, last year they had pool play. So everyone was guaranteed four games, but it just felt like a long way to go for, for two games and for it to end like that. Cause again, a lot of the kids didn't think that those teams were way better than them too, but I'm sure down the road, they're all going to look back and say, God, that was so fun. It was an amazing time. And after we got eliminated, we went to something called outer banks. I don't know if your son watches that cockamamie show. But, yeah, so we went to the Outer Banks, and so that was cool for Piper and swam in the Atlantic Ocean for the first time in my life because I'm a Pacific Northwest kid, so that was cool. But, yeah, the overall, the whole thing was amazing. The The, the mature adult thing to say is it's incredible what they accomplished, and they'll have memories for a lifetime. But the competitive a-hole in me says I'm not over it still. They should have won at least one, maybe two games. So, so you one went, day I'll
0: get there. You went on a Sunday, right, on a Sunday morning, and you were out of there? You were out of Greenville, North Carolina on what day? That's a good question. I
1: think it was, I think they played Tuesday and then again, Thursday, I want to say. Uh, yeah. Tuesday, Thursday. So yeah, done by Thursday. I think it was. And then we're in uh outer banks by Saturday, Friday. I, I didn't know what day it was for like a month this summer. I just had no idea what day it was ever. It was just a big whirlwind.
0: Well, I'm sorry that it ended so quickly. I will say, and I, and I, I'm wondering what the scuttlebutt has been because I've been out of town the whole time as well. I still I still haven't been back since you guys went to Greenville, North Carolina. I know that I did a peace show, a patron show with uh with an, an irritated, a slightly irritated Slickhawk. Do you know that story? That Slickhawk no. was not happy with the announcers on ESPN Plus in the second game. He thought that they were overly critical. I guess the the big inning, did the big inning happen in the last inning? In the yeah, second was, game. And there were it was a- one, one, one to one through five innings. So yeah. the big one happened in the sixth. And you guys gave up a bunch of runs. There were some errors. Maybe Piper yes. was involved in one. And according to Slickhawk, the announcers, maybe maybe, you, maybe I'm breaking this news to you. Maybe you haven't even heard this. According to Slickhawk, the announcers were like a little bit too, he thought, too tough considering that we're talking about 12-year-old girls. And I said to him, now, wait a second. Now, this is the Little League Baseball uh, Softball World Series. They made it this far. They can handle a little a little criticism. Have you guys heard about that? Have you seen what he's talking about? I have not seen what he's talking about, so I don't know exactly what the what the scuttlebutt is.
1: I haven't heard that. It's the first time I've heard it. and I haven't gone back and watched that game. I don't think I'll ever be able to watch it. But I can tell you that a lot of kids that game probably had plays they'd want to take back or do over again. I know Piper had an inning where she would probably want to do it over again. So, yeah, it, it wasn't their best day, but I I haven't heard that, anything about the announcers. And like you said, they're they're playing at a high level. You go into it knowing you're going to be on national TV. And, yeah, they are kids, but you should be able to take a little bit of criticism. Look, they all play year-round. That's what they do. They play softball year-round. They're all on club teams, and I think they could probably handle a little criticism. Okay.
0: So it hasn't even gotten back to, like, Piper has no idea. The kids have no idea that there might have been some tough love on ESPN, on the, on the broadcast, whatever it was. It wasn't a broadcast. I guess it was a... The stream, the ESPN plus stream of the second game. Nobody even knows that. You're hearing this for the first time.
1: First time hearing of it. And then after they got knocked out, they all got to meet former Husky sis Bates in person. And that, that's, that cured any sort of sadness they might have. sis Bates, I don't know if you know who she, she played at UW. She's an assistant coach there now, but all over the country, kids love this, this player, like not just kids from Seattle. I know who knew she walks around that place with a Sharpie and it's like Michael Jordan walking around the final four. Like people won't leave the sis Bates player alone, but anyway, they got to meet her and then they're eating ice cream. And I think they've kind of found a way to, to just move on from it. And no, I haven't gone back and, and watched that, that last game. It's going to be a tough one, but as Piper's travel coach said to me, he texted me and said, you know, Piper's got a hit in the little league world series and you and I don't. So she'll always have that. (laughs) She got it off that kid from Texas too. The one that won the whole goddamn thing. There you go. There you go to the right
3: field. There you go.
0: Went oppo on her. Uh, Episode 203 and the guests, uh, the Gros returns. Dave Grosby was on with us a couple of months ago when his career at 710 ESPN ended I thought it was time to visit with the Gras, not about his career, but about all the shit that's going on, some good and some not so good in the world of sports, especially in the Pacific Northwest. You got one team that was surging until the weekend, and the Oakland A's are like 30 games under 500, decided to beat them two out of three, and including beating Luis Castillo, which hurts, but, but you've got one team that's kind of surging towards a wild card in Major League Baseball, and you've got another team that, like, nobody cares about, called the Seattle Seahawks nobody even realizes that they're down to their last preseason game this week in Dallas (laughs) against the Cowboys and then the regular season the Graz returns to Mitch Unfiltered on this episode 203 we'll have the Seahawks no table maybe I shouldn't have done the Seahawks no table if no one really cares I do care there is one more preseason game there are some decisions to be made is it possible the Seahawks are as bad as they looked on Thursday night at home against the Bears. I don't think it's possible. I've got my own views on that, which we'll talk about in segment one. So the Seahawks no table, Joe Pham and Brady Henderson. And then Kevin Pelton. You remember Kevin Pelton as an ESPN NBA writer. He lives in the Pacific Northwest. He grew up in the Pacific Northwest. He was at the Jamal Crawford Pro-Am game with LeBron James and Jason Tatum and the big the big extravaganza that ended really unfortunately over the weekend. Yeah. He's also uh he also I think he was also at the storm game. They're in the in the midst of the playoffs and and he's got some thoughts on the Seattle Sonics and the return of the NBA to Seattle and when that's going to actually happen. I'm going to I'm going to have him put his neck out and tell us when will the return of the NBA actually be a reality in the Pacific Northwest. So those are the guests on this episode 203. But again, before we start, thanks, thanks, thanks to our partners, our sponsors with the NFL season now officially around the corner. So is the Beat the Boys, presented by Fireside Home Solutions, where you pick the football games against us on Unfiltered. Begin your search with John Waterstrat and Fireside because they're amazing and they're such great partners of Mitch Unfiltered. Begin your search for a new fireplace at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. The Kirkland Office of Cross-Country Mortgage, Interest rates have leveled off a little bit, even dropped the skosh. Let Jordan Flowers' cross-country team aid you in your purchase or refinance. Second, homes. seven minutes is all you need with the lead man, Jordan Flowers. His personal phone number, 425-890-2957. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof evergreengk.com more than just a financial advisor evergreen is everything wealth zeke's pizza it's amazing how much zeke's has grown since we started the podcast four years ago even in the midst of some really tough times seward park opens its doors brand new location and the biggie at mount lake terrace's station is just about ready homegrown in the northwest daniel's broiler A Northwest staple for the best steaks and seafood, a family-owned company, and some of the most spectacular outside seating options this summer that you'll find anywhere. If you visit Daniel's, make sure you snap that picture on your special occasion and send it to me at MitchUnfiltered.com. Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. All right, episode 203. We took a week off. We get back right at it. It begins right now unfiltered i was just having this conversation with my brother he said are you going to be able to even sell your tickets this year and i said i better do well on the broncos game the 49ers game and the rams game unfiltered I think that if I'm any opponent of the Seattle Seahawks Daryl Taylor's not going to beat me I am not going to let Daryl Taylor beat me until somebody from the other side or somebody from up the middle can show me something I'm going to double team his ass I'm going to chip him I am not going to let Daryl Taylor but I complete. he just looks so fast
2: Mitch is unfiltered
0: Episode 203, Hotshot Scott, Mitch in Florida for the last day, and Hotshot Scott back in Issaquah, Washington. I said it right, I think. Episode 203 well, yeah. is now officially underway.
1: Except for I'm in mean, Snoqualmie, which is confusing because my daughter plays for Issaquah. But yes, you were very close. You know, when you brought up the whole condensation in the basketball game arena, and it be, I thought your stump the band question was going to be, did you know... The only game in NBA history, I think, (laughs) that was rained out was on January 6, 1986 at the Seattle Coliseum against the Phoenix Suns, and Hotshot was there. How about that? I don't think that that's true. That that's the only one to ever be rained out?
0: Because I have, and tell me if you have any kind of recollection, like 25 years ago in San Antonio, Texas, some valve-breaking in, like, the Alamo Dome and water oh. shooting out everywhere. Yeah, do you have, do do you have, do you have any kind of a recollection of that?
1: This was definitely the first rain out in NBA history. So maybe that'll be the question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I happened to be there. It's the only reason well, I wanted to tell you. You do? So, you were there? Yeah, they were terrible. I, I my friend Aaron Shoppert took me to a game. I think Danny Vrains was maybe the best player. I don't know. They were awful. So I didn't miss much. And
0: how did it rain out? (laughs) Explain to me. There was just a leak. There was a leak.
1: Yes, that's right. First rain out ever in the NBA. But a poorly constructed roof allowed rain to wet the floor during storms.
0: Is that the roof that's a a national landmark that you can't touch now? Is that right? Is that a different roof?
1: I didn't know that that was a thing. There's a (laughs) roof you can't touch?
0: (laughs) I I I thought the roof on Key Arena you can't touch. They couldn't touch it because it's an official landmark of some sort yeah Yeah. it's a
1: hell of a landmark yeah (laughs) leaks when it rains i mean god i don't know
0: (laughs) oh dear anyway did you watch the seahawks on thursday i dare i even begin with the seahawks when nobody When most people care more about, at least in the Pacific Northwest, the Mariners and what they're doing than the Seahawks. Did you put yourself through the agony like I did here in Florida watching the ESPN broadcast of the uh, Seattle Seahawks and the Chicago Bears on Thursday?
1: I was at a brewery on Thursday with three friends from high school, just ones in town from Arkansas and we're hanging out. I went in to get a beer and I look up, I'm like, oh, hey, the Seahawks are playing tonight. All right. (laughs) It's 24 to zero or three. I don't even know. But I'm sitting with like two season ticket holders and they don't give a crap and no one's no one gives a crap in the brewery. So I didn't watch it, but I did go back and watch the first half just because I knew we'd probably talk about it. Yeah. And what'd you think of the first half? How'd they look to you? Oh, fantastic. Had a great time. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Yeah. Fun.
0: Five and 12, four and 13. You know, everybody's got them as one of the worst. One of the worst teams in the National Football League. And I don't know that I agree with it. I'm going to play contrarian on this episode of 203. I'm the guy who normally makes you feel like shit. I'm going to try to (laughs) turn it around the other way. I'm going to play the opposite side. I'm going to play devil's advocate on this episode 203.
1: Well, I can't wait to hear it because I'm trying to come up why they're not going to be awful. And I don't think I have it. You don't.
0: Okay. They're probably going to be awful. (laughs) All right. (laughs) But if you said to me five and 12 or eight and nine. If you said they're going to be one of the following two records, five and twelve or eight and nine, and they're not going to be any other record, and you made me project what they're going to be, mm-hmm. I would pick eight and nine. You and, would, and I know that that's going to. Yeah, I think I would. At least for this segment, I'm gonna I'm gonna play <laughs> I'm gonna okay. play the role. Just remember a couple things before you, you you jump to too many conclusions based on preseason football. Number one, I don't have to tell anybody it's preseason football. Correct. A lot of guys are not playing. A lot of game plans are not being shown. A lot of hands are not being shown. It's preseason football. That's number one. Number two, remember that they play at home the following teams the Falcons, the Giants, the Jets, and the Panthers. Probably four of the eight worst teams in the National Football League. Now, you might be yelling, well, the Seahawks are one of the Eight worst teams in the national maybe 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 not but when you play those four games at home they're probably going to win at least two maybe three and my god knows they might even win four that's the that's the second thing that i would say to you they they go three and one in those games it's going to be hard to go five and 12 in the season yeah and then the next thing i would say to you is look i don't think i don't think that uh, geno smith is any good I have no idea about Drew Locke. My my suspicion is that Drew Locke gives them a bigger upside than Geno. He can throw the ball down the field, maybe a little bit more explosiveness, but he's probably going to make more mistakes, which Pete Carroll doesn't want him to put the ball down. Maybe he'll hold the ball too long and get sacked more often. Maybe he'll fumble it. Maybe he'll throw it up for grabs more often. Geno's going to be kind of exactly what Pete wants, right? He's going to be the the teacher's pet. He's going to be the guy who gets rid of it real quickly, dumps it off, plays it safe, doesn't take sacks, but they're not very explosive. So I don't know what you recall, but how many games did Geno Smith play substituting for Russell Wilson last year? Was it four? I think so. Okay. Do you remember them to be competitive in those games, even if they lost them? Do you remember it being close? I remember a game in Pittsburgh. I remember a couple games here. Do you remember them? One at home, too, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why should we think that with Geno Smith being thrown into the fire in an unexpected injury situation after not getting any reps the entire year up until that point, because Russell Wilson took them all, why do we think a team that maybe was even worse than they are now around the quarterback should be able to go to Pittsburgh like five days later, play four games and play them competitively and be on the precipice of winning if not all of them, then three out of the four of them. Why should we think that that can't happen this year? If it's Geno Smith, I'm assuming it's going to be Geno because of the the COVID thing. Why should we believe that Geno Smith now as the proclaimed starting quarterback who gets all the reps with potentially a better defense and some guys coming back healthy, Jamal Adams and some guys who didn't play last year, what, doesn't it make some sort of sense that they should be able to be competitive? If they were last year during those four games,
1: it does make sense on paper, but I, I just, I know what I saw when I saw Geno Smith out there on Thursday, he's good enough to hit wide open guys. I don't know if he's good enough to hit guys that are barely open, which is something Russell Wilson and most great quarterbacks are good at. So I, I don't know what his upside is. I I'm just not feeling it from what I saw. Now, there were some drops that didn't help him. For sure. There was guys. Are that, we
0: talking about Thursday night or are we Thursday talking about? Night. Okay, it's thir- Again, you're going to judge more the preseason game than the four games we saw last year during the regular season.
1: Yeah, it's preseason, but I still see how the ball comes off his hand and whether he hits a guy who's open or throws behind him, you can still learn some stuff from preseason, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: I don't know. I, I, I tend to think that the better body of work would be regular season football when they're actually trying to win football games. And, and by the way. On Thursday night, his top two receivers played three plays. Wouldn't it be nice to have them? It wouldn't. His left guard went out due to injury. Thank God it's not a catastrophic injury. Maybe he'll come back sooner rather than later. A lot of guys didn't play. They're not trying to show their hand. I I don't know. I I look at this team and look, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, the Seahawks are going to be better than everybody thinks. I guess I kind of am. I'm not saying that I think they're a playoff team or they're going to go to the Super Bowl. I'm just saying a couple things. I'm saying, They've got a shit schedule at home outside of the division. Obviously, the division games are tough. But the, again, Falcons, Giants, Jets, and Panthers are four of their home games. Four of their home games are just suck-ass teams. That's number one. <laughs> number two, you know, you, you go position by position. Rashad Penny will be back. If he plays anything the way he did in the last few weeks last year, the offensive line will be okay, maybe even improve once the rookies get there. Kind of bearings, the wide receivers, you've got the two big wide receivers. You're probably a wide receiver short. The tight end, I think you're gonna really like. I think Fant, the guy they got from um yeah, Denver, Broncos. I think is really good. I think the defensive line is fine. I think Daryl Taylor is really good. I think Jordan Brooks is really good. I think the rookie out of Minnesota might be pretty good. To me, there's really only one caveat that would make me say five and twelve instead of eight and nine. Okay. And that would be the corners. Huh. I I I'm not sure what they have at cornerback. And if they've got bad corners, inexperienced bad cornerback play in 2022, okay, it'll be five and twelve and it won't be eight and nine. I have a huge question mark about their corners, but their safeties, I don't know if Jamal Adams will ever will ever be Jamal Adams of old in New York, but certainly their safeties are fine enough. Adams and Diggs. Yeah. Um I mentioned some of the other guys on this team, the pass rush. I don't see where they're horrific across the board outside of the quarterback position. Well, did you watch
1: your buddy Jason Myers kick from 47 yards? I'm not
0: talking about Jason Myers. <laughs> Is there a moratorium on Jason? I Myers am not talking about? <laughs> about Jason Myers. I have yeah, nothing talking to say about, about Jason Myers. I think there's enough and then throw into the mix the easy schedule at home outside of the division where they may win more games than everybody thinks after a couple of lousy preseason games. Let's see how they do on Friday night. Now, before we get out of segment one, before we get out of segment one, I do want to say to everybody that on the patron shows, I have been I have been scolded by two different people on the patron shows in the last week. Okay. And they are Danny O'Neill, P Show Danny O'Neill, and Matt Slickock Miklas. Both of them and others in the Twitter world think Mitch, you are way too hard on Robbie Ray. Ah. I have been predisposed, for whatever reason, to not like Robbie Ray, and I can't figure it out. Maybe it was the bad start that he got off to. Maybe it's because he's making a lot of money. Maybe he doesn't fit in his pants very well. Maybe it's the (laughs) grunting after every pitch. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but as the season went along, I was finding myself not only dissatisfied with Robbie Ray's performance, but like sitting in the... Sitting in my chair watching games that he's pitching, like waiting for him to give me a reason to tweet something out that's negative about him. And they think that I've been totally irrational about that and I should get off of his back. He's got a 3.87 ERA. He's not a Cy Young Award winner. Maybe he's not a $23 million a year pitcher, but he's 9 and 8, 3.87, 142 innings, 119 hits in 142 innings, and 166 strikeouts in 142 innings. He hasn't been great, but I am acting way over the top. So I, I am declaring to you, and I, I also told them, I have decided that they're right. Plus, it's kind of not fun to sit there and wait for him to mess up and, and give me a reason to tweet out, oh, there's another two runs in the first inning.
1: That's how I am with Rashad Penny this year. All of you who love Penny and I told you he's overrated, now I got to root against him. Thank you.
0: Right. I'm done. I'm done. I'm okay. I'm turning as of the moment. And I think he pitches the day that this... And I, I think they may be off on Monday, but I think on Tuesday. I think he's the next starter for the Seattle Mariners after that awful series in Oakland. Starting right here and right now with episode 203, I'm going to go in with a much more open mind on Robbie Ray. Oh, well, you're
1: emancipating yourself from this anger I, and I hatred. Am, I am. I love and, it.
0: And one of the reasons I'm doing that is I started wondering to myself... How much is the big contract? And it's really not even that big. It's five years, uh, $115 million, which is $23 million a year. There's a lot of pitchers making a lot more than $23 million a year. When I made the decision to to kind of turn over a new leaf, I said to myself, how irrational am I being? And I actually went back to the offseason when we wanted them to sign Trevor Story. And we wanted them to sign Marcus Simeon and we wanted them to sign Chris Bryant and we wanted them to sign, you know, Freddie Freeman. All these guys were free agents and we wanted them to sign Corey Seager. All these guys were free agents and all of them made a lot more than Robbie Ray. And I I said to myself, self, why don't you do a little evaluation how, how those guys are doing? And I've got it here. I can just shoot it out at you real quickly. Corey yeah. Seager, 10 years, 325 million. 10 years, 325 wow. million. Sitting 252 with 26 home runs and 61 RBIs. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. 26 home runs, 61 RBIs. Pretty good. Marcus Simeon is hitting, he, he, he had seven years, 175 million. Wow. 232, 18 home runs and 58 RBIs. Pretty good. Yeah. Chris Bryant, seven years, 182 million. A lot more than. Robbie Ray, he hasn't even played but 40 games because of injuries, So he's been hurt. Hasn't been a factor. Okay. Freddie Freeman, six years, 162. Now there's a guy who's hitting 321 with 16 homers and 17, 74 RBIs. He's having a great year. Yeah, Trevor Story, we all want a Trevor Story. He's hitting 221 after a six-year, $140 million contract in Boston. And a guy named Javier Baez, six years, $140 million, for 223 batting average to this point, as we record episode 203. The point being that I don't know that Robbie Ray is better than all these guys to this point. He's certainly not as good as Freddie Freeman, probably not as good as eh, Corey Seeger ish. Yeah. But nine and eight, 3.87 at $23 million a year when those guys are making 30, 35, whatever it is. All right. I've been too hard on Robbie Ray. I'm done.
1: Look at you maturing.
0: Yeah, I've been too hard. Saying when you're wrong. No, I don't know that I've been wrong.
1: (laughs) By the way, he has helped this Mariners team have one of the best records in the American League, right? So if they make it to the playoffs, we're going to love them all. We're, I mean, they've all contributed, Until, right? I mean, yes. are we excited about this team?
0: Until they play in Toronto in the first round and he can't go to the games because he's not vaccinated. <laughs> That's
1: right. Then oh I reserve God. the
0: right to change my mind about $23 million a year. Robbie Fair Ray. enough. But as of today, I think I'm going to lighten up, Francis. Well, who said that? Somebody in stripes? Are they oh, that? yeah, it was stripes. Yeah. Sergeant Polka? Uh, yeah, sergeant, Something like that. Yeah. yeah it's not up, Polka, Francis. but it is something, yeah, like, something that. like that.
1: Popka yeah. or yeah, Popka? Yeah.
0: Sergeant Popka. Lighten up, That's Francis. Right. Lighten up. For, I'm going to lighten up, Mitchy. I'm going to lighten up. All right, up, good. All right? You ready for Welcome. other stuff? Let's do uh three interviews and then the other stuff segment. Boy, it's been a tough few months for our 401k plans, hasn't it? Here's Katie Versio of Evergreen Golf called Katie. Give us some good news, will you?
4: There's not a lot of great news in the market to report, except if you're a buyer, it's a good time to be buying and to have cash.
0: It's also a good time to go three for three. I feel it. This is going to be my day. What's the theme of your quiz today, Katie?
4: It's a market update to see how much you're paying attention.
0: I'm paying attention. So go ahead. Question number one.
4: U.S. inflation in May reached the highest level in more than four decades. What was the inflation increase? Was it 7.6%, 8.3%, or 8.6%?
0: 8.6% C, Katie.
4: Oh, you are right. It was 8.6% up from 8.3% last month. So really driven by a lot of the supply chain issues, energy prices. That's why the market has been really volatile around these numbers. And Mitch Levy is one for
0: one for the first time in his history. I'm ready for question number two.
4: All right. Number two, in June of 2021, oil was $68 a barrel. What is the cost today? Is it $100 a barrel, $120, or one? dollars 120 dollars a barrel B. that's right yes. that is right you know, that's what's really causing this inflation spike is that the cost of energy has just gone up so much over the last year
0: and Mitch Levy has a chance to go three for three as he predicted. I'm ready for question number three.
4: This one could be an easy one. It's a true or false question. True or false. Both stocks and bonds are down for 2022. Absolutely true, Katie. That is true. You went three for three. Yeah, so stocks are down 18% and bonds are down 11%. It's been a really ugly year where there's not a lot of places to hide. Essentially, the only area of the market that is up on the year is energy. Mm -hmm. That's why here at Evergreen, we think that active management makes a lot of sense. It used to be really easy to make money in the market for the last five or 10 years or so, where you just buy the index and it keeps going up. But now we think, you know, there's pockets of value. We think there's certain areas that make sense. So we think active management makes a lot of sense in this environment. And that's
0: why it's a good time to check out everything that Evergreen is doing. Start with our website, evergreengk.com. We love Katie Versio, Director of Financial Planning at Evergreen Golf Call, everything wealth. Unfiltered.
3: When I'm doing Seattle U, they're playing a game at Stanford and Jim Plunkett is at the game and so I was going to ask him to go on at halftime And before that, I I told him the story. I said, you know, I'm really kind of, you're really sort of responsible for my radio success. And he looked at me and he said, what? (laughs) I'm wearing a tuxedo with tuxedo shoes. He was like, look, if he changes you, you gotta run. (laughs) Don't let him catch you. That's right. (laughs) Because if he catches you, he's gotta do something to you.
0: You know, the last time, the last time the Seattle Mariners played in the postseason, I was trying to figure out this before the interview, I was wondering whether our next guest and I were working together at KJR in the early 2000s. I can never remember what years he was at Cairo, what years he was at KJR, what year he was back at KJR, back at Cairo. Let's just ask him directly. Ladies and gentlemen, here's my man, the first guy to ever
3: call me, Mitchie the Kid. My guy, Dave Grosby. How are you, Gros? I'm doing great, Mitchie. It's a pleasure to be with you again, as always. And congratulations on a great show. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have the answer to my questions? Uh, Yes. I believe that we were working together because I was at uh, Cairo the first time from 92 to 95. And that's when you came in and I think 94. Right. And um, I was back at KJR from 96 to 2010, I want to say. Okay. So when the Mariners made the playoffs, you and
0: I were working at the same radio station. That's a long time ago. So everybody wants to know, and there's really only guy, one guy that can answer the question. Are they going to make it, this, it? It seems like they'd have to really mess up at this point. I mean, I know that there's... Only two or three games that separate them from the teams that are chasing them in the wild card. But when you look at their pitching staff and their starting rotation and the way they're designed right now and the way they're going right now, it feels like it's theirs to lose, Graz, yes?
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, Mitchie, for the last couple of years, I've I've enjoyed breaking out the Dare to Dream Express (laughs) and have people drive for the finish. And, you know, this year was... uh, it was looking pretty gloomy. They were 11 games or 10 games under 500. It wasn't going to happen. And then all of a sudden, they went on this stretch over the past month. They, I think they they played better than anyone but the Dodgers, I'm, right. I'm pretty sure. Right. And all of a sudden, you look up and you see that uh, you know, the projected chance of making the playoffs is at 90%. And you look at their schedule, you look at the last 20 games they play this year, which are all against losing teams at this point. And I agree with you. I mean, I think they are now at a situation, even though it's been 20 years, the longest drought in professional sports. My God, it's been 20 years. You're looking at it at, from from this point of view, you know, with adding Castillo and, and Robbie Ray, like you talked about and and the other guys they've got going and Julio healthy and, and back and playing that you would be you'd be terribly disappointed if they missed it. It would be it would be. They'd have to collapse, it seems to me. It feels that way. the yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So, Graz, do you think that this is the beginning of a nice stretch, of a nice era of, you know, four, five, six years where they're in the playoffs or because of the way the dynamic is in Major League Baseball where they don't spend like the other teams spend in in other cities? Is this a – I don't want to say flash in the pan, but is this a, a right. one- or two-year deal, do you think? Does is a, have any legs, this stretch?
3: you know it can they're going to have to start spending money and that's something they've always said they were willing to do and and showed it a little bit with with uh, Robbie Ray of course in the off season right but you know when you look mitchy they they got they've got a team that, that's built around a couple of key guys there's a couple of key guys in the minor league system that are going to come up i mean you look at the, you know, Logan Gilbert on the pitching staff. You look at George Kirby on that pitching staff. Castillo for two years now. Ray for a couple of years. He's not an old guy. Uh, Ty France is 27 in his prime. Julio, obviously, they've got him for, for six years. And, and he looks uh, looks spectacular. So they've got some key. P- and Cal Raleigh, I forgot to mention him, yeah. as, as yeah. the key young people in place right now. Everyone else seems to me to be um, not not to be critical, but but are interchangeable parts. I mean, they're not necessarily key guys going forward. So to answer your question, I do think they're in position. They got to make good moves, of course, and they will have to up their payroll some, which they've said they're going to do when they get good and they have gotten good. Yeah, they they should be in a position to to, to at least make a run at being in the postseason for a couple of years now, for sure. The voice of the
0: great Dave Grosby, I'm trying to go back. I'm not great with years. I know I'm here. When I say here, I mean Seattle. Something like 25, 26 years. I think you're here 30 to 35 years. Where was Junior when you first came to town? And the reason I ask you that, Groz, is I'd like for you to reflect upon your memories of Junior as a young guy. He may not... He may not have been a rookie when you were here when you started but reflect upon him versus Julio. They both play with that incredible smile and 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 it's just fun to watch them play. I see a lot of differences also between them. Julio seems to be very receptive to people coming to him, to media coming to him. He likes the microphone, he likes the cameras. He likes he likes everything about. It. He's just having a great time. You know, Junior Stopped at being approachable. wasn't very approachable, but seemed to be have a
3: have a fun time playing the game. How do you compare and contrast the two guys? Certainly, uh, your last point, uh, Julio is much more approachable at this point, and and Griffey was uh, when I got here was in his third year, was same age, twenty one, was in his third year, and I think already was a little guarded, and I think he was a little guarded, you know, based on his his family experience, his experience with his dad, so. Uh, he he still had the great smile and and seemed approachable and played with the kind of joy uh, that that we we were associating with Julio, but yeah. he he wasn't as approachable I don't think. Um, terms of playing, you know, it's uh, he was same age but in his third year, so he was a little bit more of an accomplished player. And that's the thing about Julio, you know, you got one of the guys you can compare him to also, which is Alex, who we who we saw come up and Alex Rodriguez, you know, in his first full year was was an MVP player basically, but he had had two years before that to dip his toe in the water, so to speak. A yeah. junior, you know, played a full 155 game season, just about his second year. And uh, really kind of gave you an idea of who he was. You, you knew who he was, you know, being the first round pick overall and some of the things he had shown, but Julio is, this the pure rookie, you know, is the, this his first time in the big leagues and is looking at a potential. I mean, he'd have to get hot and it wouldn't be shocking if he did a 30, 30 season as a rookie. So, those are the only two guys you can compare him to. And um, because he is a rookie, you know, first out, uh, this is his first time in the majors. He he, he kind of uh, he kind of is a little bit a little bit ahead of those guys. But, um, you know, what struck me, too, was was how, you know, how big Julio is, how big Alex was and, and Junior wasn't as big. But, um, you know, really full-on full, full on athletes, full-bodied athletes at this point. And, and that's what Julio is. That's what Griffey wasn't, but that's also what Alex was. And Alex was ready real fast, and, and Julio obviously is ready right now. Play John Stanton for me. Have you seen enough from
0: Julio in three-quarters of a season to give him the Tatis contract, to give him the, the Soto contract, to give him the... 14 years, 300 and something, 400 and something million dollars where you're tied to him, you know, for better or worse for the next
3: decade and a half? A great question. Um, you know, I, I would have to say no. I would have to say no because, uh, and this is not because of anything he's shown so far, it's because of what we don't know, what we haven't seen, you know, what what impact will being a star player, a star kid in, in the city of Seattle have on him over the next year or two how will he respond to his first real dramatic slump but i'm not talking about how he started the year but but now that he's gotten to a level yeah if he has another one so um i i think you you know i'm not a big fan of those deals for obvious reasons but i understand the the idea of you've got a great player why not grab him uh, and and lock him up for a good long time if i were john stanton i'd be waiting for another year but after another year if i still saw everything going in the right direction I would very seriously consider it. You know, I would think that this, this would be this. In other words, he's the kind of player that you have to think about making a deal like that with.
0: When was the last time that you and I would chat in August of a calendar year, late August of a calendar year, three weeks before the NFL's opening day in Seattle. And we've spent the first 12 minutes discussing <laughs> the Seattle Mariners. I, I can't am- I saw your tweet. It was beautiful. It was just short and to the point. Uh, I know it's the postseason but they look terrible something like that yeah, the they can they, they, they uh, preseason they can't be as bad as they look in the preseason. Can, can they be Dave and and what about now that we're reflecting upon the the Russell Wilson Saga? It ends in trade. He's in Denver. they get a boatload of picks and some players. but now they are where they are. Do we have any different perspective now that we've watched them play the first couple of games and in training camp this year?
3: Well, um, you know, it's it's going to be a long year. Let's just start right there. It's going to be a long year. And there are so many things going on with Russell Wilson that, um, you know, I, I don't know that I think the $50 million a year made sense. On the other hand, you can't win in this league without a great quarterback. You as a Dolphins fan know that very, very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get your hands on one. You don't let him go in the, his prime. You figure out a way to make it work. Uh, in this case, they're going to say that they couldn't. And he goes to Denver. And, you know, immediately Denver, you know, has a chance to be something special. And, and Seattle is going to struggle. Um, you know, I don't know if they had a choice on it. I, I kind of think that they did. But, you know, Mitchie, I look at the other things. I look at um, how the Seahawks have drafted, for example, the past five, six years. and And the scarcity of Pro Bowl players that they have produced in those drafts. Um, you know, you look at a team that, that and I understand they've looked good in the preseason, these particular guys I'm talking about, but they're actually talking about starting rookies at left and right tackle. When does that ever work out? Um, Especially with a quarterback, if it's going to be Geno Smith, who's not particularly mobile or Drew Locke, who's not particularly good period. You also lost um, a hall of fame defender and Bobby Wagner. You've got some, some younger players there and some better players there, but you know, I'm sorry. I, I, I'd ask people to take Seahawks off their helmet. Imagine this was any other team in another city and tell me what you think they'd look like. Tell me how you think they stack up against other teams in, in the NFC West. And if they weren't Seattle, I don't think anyone, if this was the San Francisco 49ers we were talking about, there'd be no one in this town that think they're they're worth more than four or five wins this year. And I have a hard time getting past that number for the Seahawks this year. So go back to what you said. You kind of said two different things on Russell Wilson. You
0: said that you don't know that you would have given him the $50 million, but at the same time, you said what we all believe is you have to have a quarterback, and when you have a quarterback, you do everything to to keep him here just as long as you can. So they were facing the dilemma. I mean, the, the Piper had come and said, hey, w- w- we want $50 million. We want everything that Aaron Rodgers and everyone else is getting, and then some. And then some crazy contracts were handed out to Deshaun Watson in terms of guaranteed money and, yeah. You, know, you you had you, you had to pooper or get off the pot, Graz, in terms of either trading
3: him or paying him. What would you have done differently? I would have paid him. I mean, I, I would have paid him when the bill him. came due. You wouldn't have liked Wouldn't paying. have liked it at all. Wouldn't have liked it at all. I mean, I, I, it really was a difficult choice for them. I can understand that. But I, I just think in this league, you're not going to win without the quarterback. You're just not going to. So. You know, we'll see. I mean, that they'll have a good draft pick next year. I mean, they'll have an extremely good one to get a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know about what the future is going to be. You know, you've got a, a, a same owner, but a different owner. You know what I mean, Mitchie? Yeah. I mean, you know, she may have a different feeling after the Seahawks have lost two straight seasons. They'll be eligible for hard knocks for the first time ever. <laughs> so, um, which will be which will be strange. But you've yep. got a coach, you know, in his you know his 70s. I understand how young at heart Pete Carroll is, but. You know, I'm very curious to see, you know, how it actually plays out for them. But I just I I have a hard time getting past and I understand what you're talking about me kind of waffling on a little bit. I would have at the end of the day paid him and figured that I got a better shot of winning with Russell Wilson than with trying to find another franchise quarterback, because there are many franchises out there that don't find other franchise quarterbacks.
0: I, I am with you to an extent. And what what gives me reason for pause on the Russell Wilson contract is the differences between him and Tom Brady, the differences between him and Aaron Rodgers late in their careers. I have seen Russell Wilson not use his legs as much. I have seen the escapability diminish a little by little by little. And I, I can't help but wonder what kind of a quarter. He is not He is not your typical stand in the pocket, look over the offensive line, deliver the ball over the middle, sometimes short, get the ball out fast so I don't get hit. He's not that guy, and I just, I don't know. I, I guess I would have had the same trouble as you would giving him the $50 million because when I close my eyes and visualize what he will be in two years, let's say, from now, I don't know that he is the the quarterback and the jewel that you have to have in Seattle to go to a to go to a Super Bowl. So I would have been conflicted from that regard.
3: Yeah, and I mean, I look at the other side of it. I mean, he had this injury last year that I mean, would have probably sidelined any other quarterback for the year and he comes back from it and um he's, you know, a guy who has been Great teammate, great guy in the, in the great citizen, um, healthy, as we talked about, except for that one injury. And look, I think, you know, you had the feeling with with Russell Wilson, and I don't know if this sort of necessarily changed, Mitchie, if he lost some of his mobility. I still think, you know, you go to the fourth quarter of a game and you felt like you have a shot with him. Yeah. And I don't know that that would have gone away. And I think that is, that is going to be the quality that is going to be the most missed because, that's one you take for granted. You really take for granted.
0: I wonder to myself all the time, I don't know that anybody knows the answer to this except for Pete and John, whether secretly behind closed doors, they've got a pretty decent idea and plan as to who will be the starting quarterback to start the 2023 season. Whether it's a, a free agent that they know is coming do whether there's a trade around the corner for a guy under contract, whether it's a college guy that they know they love dearly, uh, whether it's the kid from Alabama. I'm just bringing things up. I don't know. But right. but it almost feels like they're just sitting back knowing, all right, we're going to build around the quarterback position. We're better than what everybody thinks in the other spots defensively, some of our young guys. And we've got our our pens. We have circled a name we've got a name in in the interior of this office that we think we're going to have at quarterback next year you think that's a possibility better
3: be <laughs> <laughs> it better be because um, I, I, it, to me it's it's got to be a rookie it's got to be someone who, who they believe that they can develop and you know Russell Wilson of course famously was a third round draft pick but yeah. you know they gave Matt Flynn the big contract that year Mitch it was Tavares Jackson before that Charlie Whitehurst as quarterback the game with Pete Carroll at quarterback as coach excuse me so they've gotten the quarterback decision right one time and it was an important one but they've gotten it right one time so you know i i i I've got to believe that it's one of the kids coming out next year that they have a real real belief in but um you know again that's flipping a coin i mean you, you never really can tell with 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 young players until they get into the league you think that John and Pete both deserve to be here at
0: this point in their careers? They don't have you?
3: absolutely earned the right to to try this. Okay, but I do. Like I said, like I said to you beforehand, when I look back at the guys they've drafted yeah. over the past five, six seasons, it is not a very impressive. I mean, the the, the only real, pro, not even perennial Pro Bowler, but guy's been in the Pro Bowl a couple of times, is is the punter. Michael Dixon. I mean, you know, they just haven't been a lot of those guys that, that they that they drafted and it's been a long time now. But that having been said, you're talking about a decade of excellence here. So absolutely they they deserve the chance to to see if they can reboot it, but I don't know how many years you get with that chance.
0: I think there's a lot of people in our audience, Graz, that would like to know what's going on with Dave Crosby these days. You sound you sound terrific. You sound like you did in 1994 when I came to town in December of 1994 when I first heard your voice for the first time. You sound sharp as attack. What's going on in your world? I know you've fought a little illness and a little uh, medical, physical issues, but you sound great.
3: What's going on in your world these days, Graz? Well, thanks, Mitchie, for that. Um, you know, I'm actually I'm doing a I'm, – I'm trying to do a, a – I guess I'd call it a podcast, not, not quite what you're doing, more like a, a little – well, I'll just tell you, I, you know, like you, I've made a real good friend with a, with a longtime Seattle athlete. And that's in, in my case, it's Bill North, uh, who's been a friend of mine literally since the day I got here for 30 years now. And I started talking to him about, you know, why don't we, why don't we do a, why don't we experiment doing a podcast, but maybe it'll be more like, uh, it would be like an autobiography would be instead of writing a book, we'll, we'll do it in, in words. And, you know, we'll talk about, you know, Bill had a fascinating past here. It was, um, uh, part of the Black Student Union uh, movement in in the '60s. His first minor league, one of his first minor league coaches was Buck O'Neill uh, with the Chicago Cubs. Uh, you know, he was on the A's teams. With you know, he got into a fight with Reggie Jackson and in in, in in on the field Legendary. once. Uh, yep. Played yep. played with the Dodgers and Dusty Baker is one of his good friends. So. Uh, we're kind of we're kind of noodling around doing doing a podcast thing there, Good. and um, that, that's been that's been fun. It's been fun to experiment with that. But, well, like you said, you know, I've, I've had some health setbacks, and I'm still I'm still dealing with those. They're still they're still holding me back some. But um, the thing with Bill has been fun. And uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping to come up with some with with, with more details on that in in the months to come. And you're also working closely with the Parkinson's group. Am indeed. Am indeed. In fact, um, uh, we've got uh, our big fundraisers coming up October the first. Uh, which is the optimism walk. You know, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's about four years ago and, and, um, I do whatever I can do for those guys. I host some other, uh, things for them, uh, shows for them with, with doctors and whatnot. And then the optimism walk is coming up on October the 1st. And, and, you know, we ask people to, uh, either walk with us or, or donate some money to, to, uh, team Graz is what I've got going. And, uh, I'm hoping that, that some of your listeners will be kind enough to do that. Uh, you know, Parkinson's is, it's just that you've got firsthand experience with it, Mitch. I know so many people, too many people now have firsthand experience with it now. And it's, it's something we need to try and get a handle on. And, and uh, they're doing their best to, to do that. Where should I direct people to go? Um, you know, the easiest thing to do, and it's 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 a complicated read, but it's ADPA Parkinson's. You know, if you go to Parkinson's, ADPA Parkinson's dot uh, com or dot yes. org, yes. and just go to the Northwest, okay and you type in Team Groz, my, my thing will come up, and and uh, you can donate to uh to to my team, and and maybe walk with us on October the first. Just so you know,
0: the voice of of Dave Grosby, he t- he will tell you that he won the prediction show every single year. Whether Never we beaten. go. <laughs> <laughs> whether we go back, undefeated. Whether we go back and we can uh, verify that is another story altogether. So I'll end with this: borrow a page out of my own prediction show from years gone by. The Seattle Mariners will make the playoffs. Yes. Yes. Can they go deep into the playoffs
3: with the uh, Houston Astros real close by? I don't think they can get past the Astros. No. But I do think they're capable of winning in the first round. They, they get their pitching staff lined up right. They've got three excellent starters. Uh, there is a chance for them to get to the second round. And look, I think that if they get to the postseason, that is a successful season.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, my friend Dave Grosby for the last 30 years. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Grosby. Really appreciate it. Great to see you again. Thank you, Mitch.
3: Thanks very much. Great to be on with you.
0: Hey, look who's back with us. I'll be damned. If it's not traveling, Dan Black, President of Zeke's Pizza, hard to get him pinned down on Mitch Unfiltered. Where well, you been this summer, Dan?
2: All right, traveling, Dan Black must be like my seventh <laughs> nickname from you, so we'll go with it. Summer, the weather finally got good, so I've been trying to get outside as much as possible. My family goes to uh, Roach Harbor and then a place called Priest Lake in North Idaho, so those are kind of our summer spots, and so it's been you know fun doing that all summer.
0: How do you live without Zeke's Pizza at those places, or don't you?
2: I just take it on the road with me. We do, uh, <laughs> we do it baked, but not sliced, which is our version of uh, take and bake. So we actually do take a couple on the road with us and just throw them in the oven. They actually travel really well.
0: Very nice. Lots of good things happening over at Zeke's while you've been traveling. Seward Park opening, Terrace Station, and Mount Lake Terrace opening. These are two cool new spots, Dan.
2: Yeah, we're really excited about them both. They're both gonna be the full Zeke's experience. They're full blown pizza pubs with nice beer bar, spirits, outdoor patios a really beautiful build outs on both of them owners that are really active and so they're going to be great community hubs and it's going to be a great place to just have the full zeke's experience so it's going to be great
0: we've had some hot days here in the northwest this summer what are we eating what are we drinking the Levies and the blacks at zeke's this summer
3: dan
2: i don't know what the Levi's are eating you'll have to tell me but <laughs> what we've been doing i think i mentioned we have a, a great collab beer going with fremont brewing called z-side frozen ipa it's a fresh hop tasting beer but you can get it in summer which is unusual and so we've been drinking that i've been throwing crawlers of that in my cooler that beer goes really great with spicy pizzas so we've been doing taiwan on dragon cherry bomb stuff like that what have you been eating
0: we're a big chopped salad we're big zeke's pizza chopped salad fans here in the family minus the garbanzo beans no hold the garbanzo beans
2: yeah what do you got against garbanzo beans Uh, okay no yeah no we 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 keep track of people like you. We'll just know uh, (laughs) we chop without garbanzo beans. That's the Mitch Levy now. Yeah,
0: the Mitch Levy. Zeke's Pizza, great supporters of Mitch Unfiltered. Lots of incredible things happening over there. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest.
5: Unfiltered. There's some really obvious things in just trying to win a football game that, uh, you know, the penalties and, and the special teams give me is, you know, the 100 yards in returns or something like that. Setting up scores and all. The, the, you know, it's really hard to win when when you play like that. It's hard enough anyway.
6: Shot. A little big play from the Seahawks offense. DJ Dallas has tackled nicely Angelo Blackson's second play. He's made it. Instantly the Seahawks are screaming for medical attention.
0: Damian Lewis is the left guard down for the Seahawks. Some might say it's never too soon. To get the boys back together, Brady Henderson and Joe Fan for the Seahawks no table. Others might say, are you kidding? You should skip the whole season with those guys because there's nothing interesting to talk about. And we just want to hear about the Mariners. Ladies and gentlemen, if it gets bad, we'll just ask Brady to keep repeating the Jacksonville team name, the nickname the entire season, or have Joey Vegas give us uh, like his NBA assist and rebounding prop bets. All season, I give to you Brady Henderson, ESPN Seahawks Insider, and Joe Fan win bet in the Sin City. You were saying before we started, Joey, your handicap is down to what? What did you say?
7: Six six and a half. Yeah, I've got a good score. It's about to come off my handicap, so next round's got to be good, or else to go back up. But it's uh, it's been a fun month plus where I feel like I've finally started to figure it out. Me and a buddy played in the two-day two-man best ball tournament at Gamble Sands, and we finished in the top five. Gross. Not even net. We felt really good about that. Okay, hold on a second. Hold on a a second.
0: Hold on a second. The last time that the the no table convened.
7: Yeah, it was bad.
0: What would your handicap have been? And that's not that long ago. Probably a
7: 13. That's probably a 13. Okay,
0: hold on. You've gone from a 13 to a 6 and one brief no table Recess?
7: Yeah. Oh, since we last, I thought you meant since we last played Aldera. No, since no, Since no. we last had the notes. Yeah. T- it was probably yeah, probably was like a ten or eleven. Yeah. Oh my god. Still probably ten good. or eleven. My yeah, god. it's been a big jump the last month or two.
0: Brady, we got to move to Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. I gotta get. I gotta <laughs> do whatever Joe's doing.
7: The dream is being realized. That's
0: beautiful. Here. Certainly. So, what yeah. else is new in your world, Brady? What do you What do you got to report for us? outside of spending every day with the Seattle Seahawks, who everybody thinks are going to go like 4-13. and so what There's got to be something new in the Brady Anderson ESPN Seahawks Insiders world that you can share with us.
8: Well, yeah, there's quite a few things, but nothing that I want to talk about here. <laughs> nothing that anybody wants to hear about, I'm sure. I try. Yeah, Mitch, I mean, are
7: you yeah. aware of the uh, the Instagram Brady Henderson guitar covers? No. That he records. He, this guy can shred a guitar, let me tell you.
0: So why doesn't he ever play on the note table? That's a good question. Yeah, it's not what I would call shredding. It's more just
8: playing along to the songs that I've got going on. Joe is probably overstating it. I'm just good enough to kind of screw around and play. Oh, along.
0: All right. So let's jump into the seal. If you need me to come up with a yes.
8: theme song, yes, a little guitar riff. Yes. Ooh, yes. I could probably that
7: would do be that. good. Yes. That would be good. That's necessary.
0: I am all in on sting. that. Yes, please. Do you just play the guitar? Or do you sing as well? Uh, In the shower, in the car? Yes. But that's, okay. I don't sing. All like, right. tell us about Damien Lewis. Got hurt uh, on Thursday. I felt like that that was the big, well, one of the big storylines coming out of that out of that game. Anytime you see a guy with an air cast go on a cart like that, you figure season ending, but that's not the case necessarily.
8: Uh, not in this case, though. I can really only think of one other time where a guy has uh, had that happen to him where he's left the field on a cart with an air cast on and it's ended up being just a sprain like this. So it's typically very bad. Uh, but they dodged a big bullet there. According to Pete Carroll, it's only a, I guess you call it a lateral ankle sprain, which is different than like the, the high ankle sprain. So the the, the one that Damien Lewis has doesn't come with nearly the recovery time that a high ankle sprain would. Uh, he's not going to be back anytime soon, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be a long absence, no torn ligaments. So sounds like maybe has a chance to be back by week one. And if not, he shouldn't be out too much longer. And, you know, they're fortunate to have Phil Haynes, who was, from the sounds of it, pushing Gabe Jackson on the right side. And I think if Gabe Jackson didn't have a guaranteed salary for this season, then, you know, they might've moved on and given Phil Haynes that job. That's how highly they think of him. So not ideal, but not the worst case scenario to to have a a guy like that to step in. Who's ahead, Curran or Lucas? Abe Lucas. I feel pretty confident about that. Um, You know, the word from Pete Carroll on Sunday when we were out of practice was, you know, they have taken kind of a shift now, getting ready for this last preseason game where, you know, they're working their starters now and the starters are the focus. And well, Abe Lucas was working with the number one team at right tackle. He's just stood out to me, at least to my untrained eye, you see him making a pancake block uh, in both preseason games. And he's just been good. Aside from that, I I had an eye on him Sunday during the one-on-one pass rush drill. He was their best uh, pass blocker in the, you know, 10 or so minutes that I, I saw watching that drill. Um, And that's just kind of been the case throughout. I I don't think Curran has been bad. I think just think Abe Lucas has been better. So um, you're going to be looking at from the sounds of it, looking at two starting offensive tackles in week one.
0: Have I told you my stat, by the way? Are you going to do it again? You're not going to do it again. You're not going to do it again. Joe, listen, uh, Brady and I have spoken on previous episodes. I, I want to get your thoughts on the way Pete Carroll seems to have handled this quarterback co- competition, if you want to call it that, it seemed very contrived, I guess is the only word that I can come up with. Pre orchestrated that he was going to stay with Gino, 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 and then he was going to allow Drew Locke to come in there and maybe win the job at the end. And now everything is kind of blown up in their faces because of COVID. I don't even know. Maybe Brady will tell us here in a second whether he thinks that, that, that Drew Locke will even be able to play in the last preseason game against the uh, the Cowboys on, on Friday night. How do you feel like, Joe, they've gone about their business at the quarterback position?
7: Yeah, I won't claim to be anywhere near the expert that Brady is watching it every day, but just watching it from afar and following it from afar and reading all the tweets of week in, week out, it's Gino, 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 Gino with the ones, Gino with the ones, Gino with the ones. With the ones. Oh, Drew Locke got two or three snaps of the ones. Other than that, it was Gino. And then the script flips to where it was like, wasn't it? last Monday, Brady, when it was the first time that Drew Locke came out with the ones to open practice, last and it Tuesday, was supposed yeah. to be last Tuesday, two days before the second preseason game, a truncated preseason now with only three games. It I think contrived is the right word, Mitch, because it seemed bizarre. That if it's truly a competition, how are you not going to get Drew Locke in the mix there from the jump? To me, it felt like spending too much time worrying about what the veterans in the locker room who respect Gino feel about it. And making sure that Gino, a guy who has been there, a guy who's respected in the building, felt like he was the guy coming into camp and it was his job to lose. And they wanted to do right by him and the vets in the locker room who have, uh, you know, have the, the respect and admiration for Gino Smith as a teammate from the last couple of years. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me whether it ends up being Drew Lock or Gino, who knows. But if it is a true competition, the way they've handled it to me doesn't make any sense other than just the like silly coach speak of like, well, Drew's got to earn those first team reps. He's new to the system. He's new to the contrived is the perfect word. Mitch, you nailed it.
8: And Joe, you hit on something that I really think was a consideration for them is being mindful, whether this should have been as big a consideration or not. But I do think that Carol was being very mindful and has been very mindful of making sure that uh, avoiding any perception that uh, this is only a competition in name only. And that, Avoiding any perception that the plan all along uh, was to go with Drew Locke, I, I think he's. I think he's felt like I, I, there's some thought in the building. I should say that I've heard that that has kind of been one of Carol's motivators: is making sure that Gino doesn't think that they were planning to go with the guy that they acquired in the Wilson trade all along uh, because of the implications that could have in the locker room. Now, another factor, another motivator for Carol might have been wanting Drew Locke force the issue in terms of just grabbing hold and going the extra mile and doing everything, forcing the decision. Basically. I just wonder if maybe they feel like things have kind of come a little bit too easily athletically for him in the past and that they really wanted to kind of test him in that regard. That's just a theory of mine. I don't know that for a fact I just kind of wonder that you know, the alternative would have been, Splitting those guys, giving them equal amount of first team reps for the start of training camp and having them, you know, one guy gets one day, or, you know, whatever, just splitting them every day. And that certainly would have avoided the predicament that they found themselves in when the plan, as we learned last week, was to give, was to start giving Drew Locke uh, those first team reps last Tuesday as they did before he got COVID. And so the plan that they had obviously has backfired now that. Um, you know, if if one of those guys, if Locke had gotten sick and he had already gotten a bunch of those first team reps, then you would have had a much more evaluation on him and you would have had a much easier time making that decision based on what you know now. Now I think it pushes the timeline back. I, I kind of think that they would have preferred to have this decided with Friday's preseason game being the last bit of evaluation. Now they don't have to do that now because remember, there's only, pre, there's only three preseason games. So they have an extra week uh, more than what they used to. Uh, which means an extra week of practice to get that evaluation. And those are, as Carol said on Sunday, those are full weeks of practice. It's not like a quick turnaround from a short week. Like they've got more time to make that decision, but I still think ideally they would have made it.
0: Is there any uh, way that Drew Locke can win this job? Reasonably speaking at this point, is there any way that Drew Locke can be the starting quarterback against his former teammates on that Monday night opener? Yes or no?
8: Yes, I think so. I I think he's got to. Yeah, I think he's got to have a really good game. And I think
0: it's going to take Geno struggling as well. He he may not Um, even be well enough to play in the game. I heard he was really sick. How do we even know that he can play in the game? against
8: Yeah, he was really sick. And and it took him and it took him a few days after his positive test from the sounds of it to get right. But according to Pete Carroll on Sunday and according to what I saw when I was out there watching him, he looked fine to me. Uh, he sounded okay. fine based on what Carol said about him. So maybe there's a little bit of you're ramping back up, but I don't think it's going to be enough to really affect him. I think if he has a really good game, Gino struggles, and then maybe they take it another week and he continues to outplay Gino, then I think he's the starter because I think that he was gaining ground and was making really Joe. good progress before he went out with COVID.
0: Joe, all of this, maybe this is oversimplification. From where I sit, not knowing much about Drew Locke, only knowing what I've seen in Denver, the last couple of years, the little I've seen, this pretty much comes down to the following. That Geno Smith is going to be more protective of the ball, going to play it closer to the vest, vest going to do what Pete Carroll wants him to do, is less likely to turn it over, is less likely to take a sack, he'll get the ball out fast, but he also has very little upside and explosiveness. While Locke brings with him a little bit more of a gunslinger, a little bit more of a guy who can get the ball down the field, take chances, but along with it comes what Pete Carroll hates, which is he might take a sack that Gino wouldn't take. He might throw an interception that Gino wouldn't throw. He might fumble the ball when Gino wouldn't fumble it. That's the way this whole thing has been portrayed and characterized. Is that oversimplification?
7: I don't think so. I think there is an unknown upside, whether it's significant or none at all, that makes Drew Locke, the more intriguing option, but there's no denying that Geno Smith is the safer pick. And Gino Smith has played fine, like the epitome of fine in these two preseason games. I mean, he hasn't gotten much help from receivers dropping passes. Uh, the snafu where he clips was a Travis Homer's foot or DJ Dallas's foot, where he you know takes the, the sack in the second preseason game. Um, but he's made some really nice throws and you know he's got the respect of the locker room, so yeah, it all comes down to what do you perceive as the untapped, unknown potential and ceiling of Drew Lock that that you know they potentially might be able to tap into. That again, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just echoing what you're saying because to right. me it feels like you're you're spot on here, and I just I agree with you that.
0: And maybe Brady Pete Carroll's desire is to get out of Drew Lock what he brings to the table that Geno doesn't and try to coach him up and try to scare him or do whatever you got to do to make him be more careful, be a little bit more like Geno Smith, some something of a hybrid between the two.
8: Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe part of it is, you know, him wanting to kind of wanting drew Locke to know that, Hey man, you're not guaranteed anything. And if you turn the ball over, like you're on thin ice. And so that could be part of it. I just think that, you know, th- this whole situation kind of reminds me of, a reality that I think it's important for people like me to to, to remind myself because we tend to think of, you know, you hear me and people like me say, you know, well, the Seahawks think this way and and the X team thinks, you know, whatever way, like teams don't always agree on everything. And I I kind of got in the sense that maybe there's a disagreement within the building on who should start. And it often is the case in that with NFL teams, you know, the personnel side, they are going to favor uh, the more talented younger player and, and the upside that comes with that. Whereas the coaching staff, they're oftentimes going to favor, you know, the experience of a veteran player that they have more trust in, even if that guy has less upside long-term. And I just kind of wonder if that could be going on here. And, and so I think it's important to note here that, you know, whatever decision that they make, I would not assume that that is a unanimous decision within the building.
7: I think it's also really important really quickly that we're talking about this quarterback competition in a vacuum of what's happening with the Seahawks in the the grand scheme of things, in the NFL, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. So I think it's important to keep perspective of you're not deciding between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers here. You're trying to figure out who will make the team most watchable in what should be a pretty painful season. I think we would all agree on is the expectation here.
0: Well, we still have a couple of weeks to to decipher how bad of a football team or how good of a football team this will be. So I don't want to blow it all here in our limited time on our first Seahawks no table. I I will go to the other position to me that's most intriguing, Brady, and ask you to give us the the handicapping. uh, Play Joe Fan, Play Joey Vegas with us in the cornerback position. You've got uh, a couple of young guys trying to make their way. You've got uh, Sidney Jones coming back. I'm assuming at some point Trey Brown will be back. I don't know. He seemed to be okay uh, in his performance, the little that we saw a year ago. As we uh, tippy-toe our way to opening night, Monday night against the Broncos, where is the corner Cornerback position. You're going to see
8: Sydney Jones start. I think that is that's the one lock that we can say right now. And then I'm starting to think that it's going to be Tariq Woolen. Now, um, that's what I say now. You know, with three weeks to go, and I think if Artie Burns is healthy, uh, then he's out there. So I guess I should revise that because I, I do have to remind myself that there is an extra week there, and so Artie Burns has got some time to get healthy if he's back from the the groin injury, I believe it is. Then I think he's the guy because he was looking good enough. I think. But to, you think we
0: Woolen has surpassed Kobe Bryant? All I heard was Kobe Bryant this, Kobe Bryant that, going back into the offseason. And now I'm hearing Woolen this, Woolen that. What happened to the Kobe Bryant story?
8: Well, what happened was Kobe Bryant uh, had been working on the left side behind Sidney Jones. So he was playing a lot with the first team when Sidney Jones was out with the concussion. But, and they kept Woolen on the right side with the number two. So Woolen took over with the starters when Artie Burns went down. And Jones has gotten back with the ones they have now started working Kobe Bryant, uh, in nickel. Um, and I think he's got a more of a chance to play there now that Ugo Amati is gone. Uh, Marquise Blair has not had a good camp. I don't think he's missed a ton of tackles in the preseason games. Also had a, a penalty against Chicago just has really not looked all that good to me. The nickel battle. It's, I it would not shock me if, if Kobe Bryant ends up playing inside, I think, Part of the motivation is, you know, maybe because they felt like he had had such a strong start to camp that, Hey, let's see what he could do inside. And, and maybe that's just a way to get him on the field. Uh, if he otherwise wasn't going to beat out Sidney Jones on the left side. So yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting battle there. And we were not talking about Kobe Bryant at nickel uh, until a couple weeks ago, but I I'm starting to wonder if he could actually get some playing time there.
0: We'll hold off on projections uh, for the coming weeks of the Seahawks. No table. With Joe Fan and Brady Henderson. But I want to end with this. Since the last time the three of us were together, a lot has happened with the quarterback situation. And essentially, philosophically, where John Schneider and Pete Carroll have gone with the Russell Wilson saga. Uh, they've traded them. Some would say they had to, some would say they didn't have to. They got what they got from Denver. Since the last time the three of us have spoken, there's been a draft. They've used the picks. They've picked who they've picked. They've made their trades. they now added to the roster the three guys or the two guys that they got from the Broncos. And we are just uh, 10 days or two weeks away or three weeks away from Monday night when Russell Wilson comes here to face the Seahawks. I'll give each of you a shot. Joe, start with you. Do you have any different perspective on – How Carroll Schneider and the Seahawks have gone about this thing now that we're starting to see the fruits of the trade.
7: No, I I thought it was an untenable situation between Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson and the ideologies there and the relationship that over the course of the, the entire last decade had plenty of peaks and valleys between Mark Rogers and John Schneider. And I think if you ask John Schneider in an honest moment, He'd tell you he's thrilled to never have to work with Mark Rogers again. Believe that in my soul. <laughs> and so, no, I don't think any of it. It wasn't surprising the trade went down. It's just, certainly there's a shock value. Just the fact that it happened and you see him take the field and practice with a Broncos helmet on and he throws let's ride down everyone's throat every time he does any sort of. But how about that, what? How about Joe? Up, but,
0: Joe, how about what they got? How about uh, I, now? I don't think they could have gotten anything better. Okay. So they they, had
7: no trade clause. They got a couple of first round picks, a couple of capable NFL players. I'm a Noah fan believer. Shelby Harris has some good football left in him. Okay. The fact that he had no trade clause, if some other team was willing to offer 10 first round picks, doesn't matter if Russ wasn't willing to go there. So all things considered uh, the Seahawks did just fine.
0: Brady, do you have any, any different angle the way you look back upon the last four or five months? The thing that I'll say
8: is, you know, I've I've done a lot of reporting uh, on the trade and kind of getting inside of why it went down and how it went down. And, you know, the th- biggest revelation to me is um, that, you know, the Seahawks, there there was not a unanimous thought in the building by any means, but there was enough thought in there that he's a declining player and that that was a, a really big factor in the trade. And, and Joe has hit on this a lot in our conversations about how, the waning mobility is really going to affect his just how good of a player he is because so much of his game was built around that. There's people in the building who very much agreed with that thought. And, you know, knowing that the here, here, I'm just giving away my story that I'm going to that's going to publish the week of the game. But um that I think is, is I've realized more and more how big of a factor that was in the trade far from the only factor. Um, but it it was a big one. And is that going to be evident, uh, Monday night in week one, probably not. Is that going to be evident, you know, this season? I, I I think the thought is that it's, you know, it's probably going to take a couple of years to really start to, uh, to, to decline, but, The fact was they were a year away from having to give him another massive extension that, as we have since learned, based on what happened with Deshaun Watson, would have been a massive contract and maybe even a guaranteed contract. Remember, Mark Rogers pushed to get Wilson's last deal guaranteed. There was no precedent for that at the time. Uh, There was there would have been now uh next season had he or next year, had they started negotiating that deal then. And so um that's just kind of a little teaser, I guess, for the story that uh, you're going to see on ESPN.com the week of the game.
0: Brady Henderson, ESPN.com Seahawks insider. Follow him on Twitter. Of course, Joey Vegas, Joey fan in Las Vegas as his handicap, Joey
8: single digit,
0: his handicap continues to just wane away, just waste away down to he'll be a plus by the time we start. The Seahawks no table in 2023. I look forward to a a full season. Let's hope we find interesting things to talk about. And if we don't, the Jacksonville Jaguars. (laughs) Thank you, boys. Thank you, boys. Thanks, guys. Did I say it right? How do you say it? There's just no question that John Waterstrat, owner of Fireside Home Solutions, is one of my heroes. Why? Why? Well, his team helped us reimagine our backyard patio with a brand new fireplace unit. That's been awesome. And number two, he's the title sponsor of all major championship pools that have been incredible on Mitch Unfiltered. How's that for an intro, John? Well, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Thanks, Mitch. So what's new in the world of fireplaces and garage doors? I know during summertime when we're on golf courses, we're not thinking about fireplaces, but that would be a mistake. If you'd like to have a new one come football season.
9: That's right, Mitch. Can't express enough that during these warm months when we want to be warm and we want to be cozy, we're not thinking about those things while it's warm outside. But when we're ready to get to that fall season, that first crisp all day. We want to be able to turn on our products, whether you need your service or you want to buy a new one. We're here. The schedule is a little bit looser, products becoming more available. And so great time to buy right now.
0: Give us a sense of turnaround time as it compared to when we were in the in the heart of the pandemic, John.
9: Yeah. When we were in the heart of the pandemic, it was six to eight weeks. We could probably get something done with less than two to three weeks now. Ooh. And so it's really good. Product, again, is available. Our installers are waiting to get some products in there. And again, it's a great time to buy because right now, if you wanted to get it done quickly, we can get you on the schedule pretty quickly.
0: What I love about you guys is the process, how you came to our house a couple of times you evaluated the space, and then you come up with different options for different budgets. That's what you guys do at Fireside.
9: It's really important for us to help you design, select, and so coming to the showroom is just one part of the process. We want to be able to help you look at your space, help you design that perfect fireplace, and then again, make sure all the expectations are met so the installers know what they're doing and they can quickly and efficiently get that product put in your house.
0: John, I'm not going to let you go. I know you're a huge Seahawks fan and local sports fan. What do you think the first post-Russell Wilson season is going to look like here in Seattle. A lot of pain?
9: A little. I think it's going to be painful, but I think we're going to be presently surprised. I think our defense will be much improved. We'll start running the ball more. And as we looked at it back in the days we won the Super Bowl, defense wins championships.
0: Fireside Home Solutions has been a major part of the reason why we are now more than 200 episodes into this journey. If you are a Mitch Unfiltered fan, you enjoy the show, then I ask one thing of you. Begin your search for a new fireplace unit at firesidehomesolutions.com. It's time for a visit from Daniels Broiler CEO, Lindsey Schwartz. That's USC graduate Lindsey Schwartz. That's future Big Ten fan Lindsey Schwartz. Why did you let this happen? Hey, Mitch. Yeah, no, I, I never
5: thought I would be a Big Ten fan. It is still getting my head around it. I will miss the traditions of the Pack, Pack 8 Pack 10 Pack 12 Of course, I'm also a Husky fan, so I'll miss if we don't get to play them as much. But I'm also super excited to go to the Big Ten. Uh, USC has just dominated all of those Big Ten schools (laughs) over the years. We've been to more Rose Bowls than anybody. We've won more Rose Bowls than anybody and really just just kicked the crap. I don't care who it is, (laughs) Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, look it up. Those guys don't know what they're in for. Oh,
0: gosh. I've always thought that your outside seating options at the Daniels Broiler locations were underrated. Yeah, we've talked about it. There's so many great
5: options. Leschi, where you can have views of Lake Washington, you can see the sailboats, you can see Mount Rainier, Lake Union, you also see sailboats, you see the float planes, and Bellevue way up high to see the Seattle skyline and the lake. You just can't beat it.
0: What about those rare 90-plus degree days? Are they still comfortable? On your outside seating locations? Yeah, you know, and we're having more and more of those, of course. We work
5: really hard to make it comfortable. So we have awnings on all of our patios. Uh, We have umbrellas where we need them. We we try to keep all the tables shaded and uh, make it as comfortable as can be. And if it ever gets too crazy hot, we've got great air conditioning for the indoor seating. So lots of great options.
0: Every time you invite me over to Daniel's Broiler for dinner, which hasn't been in a long, long time, I should point out, You've always been the eight ounce filet guy in the summer too. Does Lindsey Schwartz deviate? Does he go off the board during the summer? Well,
5: we need to go to Daniel's soon. I guess it has been a while, but um, yeah, I still like the 8-ounce filet. I get the 8-ounce Piedmontese a lot now, the grass-fed, which is really good. But in the summer, for sure, my favorite thing is the Alaskan halibut. We get it fresh for a few months every year in the summertime, and it is just so good. I I sometimes get salmon the rest of the year because we always have great salmon, but halibut in the summer, I order it every time. It's the best.
0: And we always like to remind everyone that Daniel's legendary cocktail mixers, like the old-fashioned, are still available in stores locally and on Amazon, Lindsey.
5: Yeah, they're doing great. Summertime is is a great time for mixed cocktails. We still sell them at every QFC, at Certain Total Wine and Spirits, available on Amazon. I've been enjoying them in the summer and they're doing great.
0: An amazing partner, an amazing sponsor, an amazing friend, even though they're going to the Big Ten. Lindsey Schwartz, the Schwartz family, and Daniel's Broiler, a world-class steakhouse.
4: It took extra time to corral the crowd based on how big and ready people were. Crossover League did its best to get lots of kids inside, sharing the spirit of basketball with the next generation. Stewie, right by scores with the left hand,
5: and this is the biggest lead of the game.
0: Well, an amazing basketball day in Seattle was planned on Saturday. It ended in disappointment. I don't know if it was thorough disappointment, but disappointing nonetheless. LeBron James returned, I guess, somewhat secretly. I don't know the whole story of Jamal's pro-am. I'm going to get somebody on here now that can kind of tell us the origins of this. But LeBron James returned to Seattle, I guess, for the first time since he played against the Sonics when the Sonics were playing NBA basketball here. He was amongst other stars to come to Jamal... Crawford's Pro-Am, which has become synonymous with basketball in Seattle. My buddy, Kevin Pelton, ESPN basketball writer, does a great job. He's also my Taco Time buddy, is back with us here on Mitch Unfiltered. How are you, Kevin?
10: I'm doing well, yeah. it's a, It was a big basketball day, big basketball weekend, and uh, obviously had to be there.
0: Okay, well, we'll go back to that in a second. Can I get your go-to order these days? What, 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 you go through the, the drive-through at Taco Time, can I get... What Kevin Pelton is getting in 2022?
10: Well, you know, I'm an order ahead devotee, so hopefully it's during the day and I can just go pick it up and avoid the drive through altogether. But, uh, you know, because the the shrimp season was kind of short this year, then I I generally stick with the uh, the chicken soft taco, but sub Mexi fries in the soft taco in the soft taco. In the soft taco. I don't even like know that they would do burrito. that. Will they do that? On the app, piece of cake on the app. So oh. that, and then a crisp chicken burrito and some other mexi, additional Mexi fries on the side. You got you to do them well, as that's well. very nice.
0: Kevin Pelton, ESPN basketball writer, telling me something I never knew. You can put Mexi fries into the chicken soft taco or the burrito. Very, very nice. All right, start from the beginning. I think that most of our audience on Mitch Unfiltered would know that Jamal Crawford has some... He's become basketball royalty in Seattle for a lot of great reasons. A, he's an accomplished guy. B, he's got an amazing, generous spirit, terrific personality. People in the game love him both in Seattle and out Seattle. So he's become like the grandpa of Seattle basketball. And he's had this pro-am where he kind of slips people in You don't know who's going to be playing week to week. Kind of pick up the beginning of this, Kevin, for our listeners who don't understand what this is all about.
10: Well, you missed one thing about Jamal's uh, Seattle bona fides, which is that when I had him on my podcast and asked him about Taco Time, he's got to go to order. He does. So that's important. Okay, All right. I forget what it is anymore. But uh, yeah, so this actually dates back to Doug Christie. Doug Christie was the originator of the Seattle Pro-Am. And when his career was winding down it was just about over, he handed it over to Jamal, who was early in his career. It was cool that Doug Christie was one of the people in attendance yesterday. And it used to be a pretty low key thing. I, I remember I went for the first time. Brandon Roy played right before he was going to come back with the Minnesota Timberwolves in, I think, 2012. And it was our first chance to see him play basketball since he'd retired uh, after the lockout. And at that point, it was at, at, I think, the Garfield Community Center. So it's a, you know, there wasn't like, a bunch of bleachers. There wasn't thousands of fans. And then subsequent to that, they moved it over to Seattle Pacific university and Royal broom pavilion so that they could open up a little bit. And that's what allowed Jamal to trade on his NBA friendships and get a number of his Clippers teammates when he was playing for them. Uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kobe Bryant, among some of the big names. And he's just, there.
0: he's just asking these guys to do favors for him. He's not for paying them. Sure. He's paying it. Probably paying. Somebody is paying their way to Seattle, I'm assuming they're not paying their own way to Seattle, and they just come because they like Jamal Crawford and they want to do him a favor and come to Seattle and play. That's it.
10: They might be because it's doing this for free because the attendance is free. You know, there's, okay. there's some sponsorship involved, but that's, that's all that Jamal's getting out of this. Uh, you know, it's really... You know, his investment that funded it for a long period of time. And yeah, so there's been a lot of big days at the crossover. Sadly, I missed out on uh, Kobe and KD. Uh, I was out of town for those ones, but I've been there for Blake Griffin. Was there a few weeks ago when Paolo Bancaro and Chet Holmgren both played together. But nothing, absolutely nothing like the scene on Saturday with LeBron James.
0: I'd imagine, Kevin, that he had been asking LeBron James for years to come. and just. At this point, LeBron James says yes. And part of the 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 game here is they don't publicize. How did it get out that LeBron James was ultimately going to play on Saturday? And then the line, people are spending, you know, Cheshevskyville. They're sitting out all night to try to get into the arena. How does that work? How, do, how does he disseminate the news that LeBron James is going to be there? And you can come watch him for
10: free. Yeah, so... Because of the fact that these are very busy people and players who are participating, they often don't know for sure until a few days before the event. In this case, on Thursday at the Seattle Storm playoff game, that's where I first heard the rumor that, hey, LeBron's going to be there on Saturday. And it was Friday afternoon that we got the actual tweet first from Jamal Crawford, then from LeBron himself saying... Hey, it's going to be my first time in Seattle in 15 years. And this actually goes back to uh, he was watching Sue Bird's last regular season game in Seattle and tweeted about the you know sellout crowd at Climate Pledge Arena and was like, I mean, you need to go up to Seattle and get a run there? So I think that's what kind of sparked the timing of it.
0: And describe the scene after that. What was it like in the 24 hours leading up to the game on Saturday?
10: Yeah, so I didn't get there until Saturday morning, but uh, you know many of my fellow reporters and, and friends were there. And the first one I saw was a friend who was in town covering the Washington Mystics practice that wrapped up around four. And he posted a photo of the very first person getting ready to camp out out front of the, uh, the doors at Royal Brome Pavilion. And by the time night fell, it had grown to, you know, I've heard estimates of... Uh, at least, you know, a couple hundred people up to maybe a thousand people who camped out overnight for this. And people in attendance included? Uh, had a lot of big names. Steve Ballmer, uh, the the owner of Jamal's former team, the Clippers, was there. We had Lenny Wilkins, of course. It's not a big Seattle basketball event unless Lenny is in attendance. A handful of former Seahawks. He had Cliff Averill, uh, K.J. Wright. Uh, Marcus Trufant was announced as being there. Uh, Spencer Hawes was the other local figure. I I know I'm forgetting one, but uh, those are some of the big names.
0: How much of this is about the NBA and NBA star basketball in Seattle keeping us out there as we await our opportunity to get another NBA team? Or is that just a nice side effect of what Jamal Crawford's been trying to do?
10: I mean i think that's a motivation for jamal is the fact that he often cites how he worked as an usher at key arena back in the 90s and you know would uh would pause when he was delivering things and you know to seats because he wanted to watch gary payton and sean kemp and the rest of the sonics play at that point And so there's that see it be it element that in terms of men's professional basketball with the nba that young kids don't have here anymore so you know i think it is important for him to bring a lebron james here when he hasn't played here in 15 years
0: was there a ben, Was there a dispute amongst Seattle players a couple of weeks ago, Ben Caro and somebody else? I'm trying DeJounte to remember. Dejounte Murray. Yeah, Dejounte yeah. Murray. Was that a was that a joking, fun, ha ha ribbing, or was there serious animosity between? You know, we've always been conditioned to think that all the Seattle guys love each other. They're all proteges of Jamal or Isaiah Thomas, and if you come from anywhere near the 206, you're like. You're like brothers. And now we get a little of this friction. Was that a joke or was that serious?
10: Well, you know, families sometimes have some friction too. So (laughs) I I think that that checks out. I, you know, it's tough to say exactly what the level of seriousness was, but this erupted on social media after they both played in Isaiah Thomas's tournament, the Zeke end a couple of weeks ago in Tacoma. And that's when they kind of went back and forth. DeJounte Murray dunked on Paolo and let him know about it a little bit and, you know, talked about his, his ego being out of check for a rookie, even one who was the number one overall pick of the draft. We didn't see it on the court yesterday. Uh, there was a moment they isolated uh, DeJounte against Paolo. I think very, the very first possession, maybe that it, uh, or Palo against DeJounte, I should say. And, uh, you know, there was a foul called and DeJounte ended up on the ground and Paolo helped him up. So, you know, there was at least some reproachment on during the game on Saturday. And so
0: on Saturday, the game was called in the Late stages of the second quarter because of condensation on the floor. I guess I'm not in Seattle right now, but I guess it was extra muggy outside. No air conditioning in the building and sweat and all kinds of Hazardous situation for these NBA stars. So they had to call it. How much of a bummer was it? Was the crowd unruly? Everybody okay with them having to call it?
10: I think people were, I'm sure people were not happy, but I, I didn't sense any unruliness because, you know, there was a concern whether we'd be able to play the game at all at the start. Why? Uh, Jamal Crawford went on the microphone and said that a fire alarm had been pulled. People oh. had kind of rushed the court when LeBron came in and you needed to clear them off to be able to play the game. Uh, member of the Seattle police department said if they had any more calls from within the building that they were prepared to shut it down. So, you know, I don't know if that was a warning to help Jamal's cause or or what that was. But there was a question of whether we were going to see any basketball. So to even get a quarter and a half before, unfortunately, it had to get shut down. I still think you got that experience of seeing LeBron and and some of these other great NBA stars. I mean, Jason Tatum, we haven't even mentioned yet. Jason Tatum was all NBA first team last year. Wow. You know, one of the five to ten best players in the league. and You know, you had Bankero and Holmgren there again. You had Isaiah Thomas. You had DeJounte, who was an all-star last season. And all of these names were just kind of overshadowed because LeBron is uh, such a, a black hole of attention and excitement.
0: Stick your neck out. How much momentum do we have now for the return of the NBA in Seattle? It seems to everyone who even listens for a second that when the league expands, Seattle will be one of two cities. I don't know if Vegas is the other one. It's just a matter of, when I guess there's some timing involved with a new television and digital platform rights and contracts and billions of dollars if Kevin Pelton had a uh the proverbial not a real gun but a proverbial gun to your head and you had to take a shot at what season we're going to see NBA basketball regularly back in Seattle I'm assuming a climate pledge arena when will it be
10: I think 2027 is probably the year, maybe 2026. That would, I think, be the optimistic case because you've got, as you alluded to, these two negotiations that are upcoming for the NBA. The number one is the collective bargaining agreement with the players. There's an opt out uh, at the end of this year. And those two sides are already talking. And, you know, the expectation is they should pretty smoothly come to an extension uh, or a new deal that changes a few things, but leaves the broader structure in place. And then the NBA starts to worry about these TV deals. And once you have that number locked in, it's sort of like conference realignment in football where this, there's this idea that, okay, the Big Ten has their media rights deals done. Now they can consider expansion beyond UCLA and USC. Similar, I think, thinking for the NBA. So 26 or 27? 26 is the optimistic. 27 is the realistic.
0: Is there going to be any friction with whomever owns the team of becoming, becoming a tenant at Climate Pledge Arena, assuming that it's not the guys that own Climate Pledge Arena and the hockey team?
10: Well, I think that's the key assumption because certainly there is interest in shared ownership and it would make things a lot easier in terms of you know, managing who gets the preference in terms of dates in the building, how revenue streams within the building are split, and you know, Tim Lawickki has talked about that there are opportunities to you know, as those pools expand if an NBA team joins the the Kraken and the storm is anchor tenants in that building, that they would participate in it as well. but it's it's obviously a lot easier if you're part of that shared ownership group as opposed to being a different group as we see, you know, say, Staples Center where the Clippers are third in line. Uh, In Boston, the Celtics are second in line in Philadelphia. The Sixers, who are planning to build a new arena downtown in the very distant future, are second in line. The Flyers on that building.
0: Is David Bonderman the name that we should keep in the back of our minds? Is he the guy that would be the big money behind the acquisition of a new Sonics team, if it is in line with the NHL squad?
10: He's a guy who's got the money and the interest is evidently there. He's got a stake in the Boston Celtics ownership group at this point. So, you know, I think the expectation would be he would be part, maybe if not, even if not as big a part as he is with the Kraken ownership group.
0: I guess I should ask you because you're a big Storm follower, as a lot of us are. This is Sue Bird's last season and they're in the postseason, and you went on what, Sunday, the day that we're recording this, to watch what was game two with the Washington Mystics. I'm not a WNBA savant by any stretch of the imagination, but the storm advanced, and they're They're getting ready to face off against Kelsey Plum. Isn't that right?
10: Yeah, very exciting to have a matchup between Las Vegas and Seattle in the second round. Uh, Two of the top teams in the league. They met in the finals in 2020 in the uh, Wubble season, but very different roster for the Aces than back then when the Storm got the sweep with, you know, one of the great postseason runs of all time. Uh, Kelsey Plum was injured at that point, had ruptured her Achilles prior to that season. Uh, They've also had kind of development internally. So now they've got this team that, you know, effectively starts four all-stars. They've got another player who's been an all-star, De'Erica Hamby and was the two times sixth player of the year before Kelsey Plum won that last year. Uh, Coming off the bench, although she's coming back from an injury right now. So we'll see what her status is for this series. But, you know, it's a star-studded matchup. Asia Wilson for Las Vegas, Brianna Stewart for Seattle, probably going to finish one, two in MVP voting in some order, and then obviously you've got that element of Sue Bird versus Kelsey Plum, the two number 10s who uh, both have a special place, I think, in Seattle fans' hearts. Kevin,
0: you realize that Vegas and Seattle, the last two expansion teams in the NHL, right? The presumed next two expansion cities in the NBA, and now you've got a little WNBA rivalry between the two cities, Vegas and Seattle slowly becoming attached at the hip in the basketball world.
10: I mean, I love it because of the fact that, you know, it's a, it's an easy flight to Seattle that people love to go already. It's easy for fans to go back and forth to these games. And you know, it's it, so because of the fact that that series between them in 2020 was played in Bradenton, Florida, the home fans have never gotten a chance to see a Las Vegas, Seattle uh, WNBA playoff series. And I'm I'm very excited to see what the response is going to be. Uh, maybe not the full sellout we saw for Sue's final regular season game against Las Vegas, but uh, hopefully along those lines, what becomes of Sue Bird? After she finishes playing. I mean, what doesn't become of Sue Bird? So she's already <laughs> invested in the ownership group for uh, NJNY Gotham FC of the NWSL. She's she's uh, part of the investment group Ownership group for a team that competes against her fiance, Megan Rapido and O.L. Rain, which is very amusing. Uh, Broadcasting is going to continue to be a part of her her career and her life. She's already signed a deal with uh, Omaha Productions, Peyton Manning's group to produce some pieces on college basketball. Did a, a similar thing to the Manning cast, her and Diana Taurasi during this year's Women's Final Four that was quite something to watch uh, a lot of fun. The two of them had uh, on that broadcast. And, you know, I think it's continued investment in women's sports at other levels, because she also has helped found uh, a, a website and brand together that covers exclusively women's sports. And that's been her big thing is provide kind of these opportunities that she's gotten as a result of her platform to a much larger group of female athletes.
0: Terrific. Kevin, Kevin Pelton, follow him on Twitter, Twitter, all of his stuff at ESPN.com. He's got a couple of podcasts as well. I don't know when the last time he did a Taco Time podcast is, but I was on one of them. I hope I'll be asked again, and I'm, I'm going to keep this in the back of my mind. Chicken soft burrito with the Mexi fries inside. Now, well, they, they won't put a full order of Mexi fries in the burrito. No,
10: just a handful of them, like okay. five or six. All right. Do they charge you for that? They do, but it's it's like less <laughs> than a dollar is an upcharge. Thank you, Kevin. We love you. Thanks so much. All right. We'll have to have you on to get your review. We are
0: way overdue for a visit from my main man, Jordan Flowers, J-Flow, Kirkland Office, Cross Country Mortgage, Member Member Most Improved, and Barrett's dad. How's he doing?
6: Oh, Barrett is doing great. (laughs) Thanks, Mitch. Thanks for asking.
0: I was asking how Barrett's dad is doing. I know.
6: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, you know what? Baron's dad's doing well. Appreciate being back. I miss you, man. Been too long. I actually owe you a thank you. Oh, You've yeah. made me feel like a professional golfer for the last month hearing how much you're talking about my golf game and how bad it was. So thanks. Now I know how they feel.
0: I'm glad to know that you feel like a professional golfer when I talk about how bad how bad your golf game
6: is. Well, I, hey, media's talking about me. Uh, hey.
0: Lots of volatility in markets recently. All of us have seen our savings dip. Give us kind of a home buying market interest rate overview, Jordan.
6: Yeah, has not been fun watching the savings accounts, investment accounts, but there's good news on the mortgage side. Rates have actually kind of stabilized, plateaued and have been working their way back down, in fact. So we've been seeing um, interest rates, 30 year fixed rates dropping the last two months. Really, this is the second straight month. Mortgage backed securities and interest rates have been dropping. So good news for home buyers right now.
0: Any new cross-country products or programs worth discussing here? I'm Mitch on Filtered. jflow
6: Yeah, we're always looking to adding products and programs to our arsenal to help those home buyers and people looking to refinance. Right now, um, there's been two over the last month and a half or so. I was part of helping roll out a new jumbo investor product that kind of really helps clients with more unique income. Maybe it's income derived from trusts. And then we also just rolled out a Goldman Sachs program that is on a 40-year amortization versus 30-year which helps with your payment, your monthly principal and interest payment. So even though rates are high, we're trying to figure out creative solutions to help home buyers keep that payment in line with what they were looking at and hoping for, especially as home prices have gone up so much the last two years. So you would say still a chance for buyers and sellers to get what they want in this current climate. Yeah, absolutely. It is definitely different than the last couple of years where it was just throw your home up and get multiple bids, right? It's getting a little more creative um, for those sellers, but we're helping sellers sell their home and still net the same proceeds that they're hoping to net. And that's kind of where I think a shift needs to be right now. It's uh, negotiations always trying to be a win-win what we can do to still have the seller really net the same amount of proceeds from the sale, really what they care about and help buyers get the home at a price or monthly payment that they desire. So, So that's a lot of our strategy right now is helping both sides win and get what they want.
0: We love Jordan flowers. We love cross country mortgage very creative during these times and he's the 2023 member member betting favorite next year
6: ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Comeback player of the year baby let's go.
0: (laughs) Jordan Flowers in cross country mortgage.
2: Unfiltered.
0: All right, episode uh, 203, the other stuff segment. Hot shot, Scott.
1: Now you're in Florida. Is that because you were invited to the Ben and Jen wedding? One of the 1,800 weddings they're having over this weekend. Is that why you've gone away? Did you enjoy the wedding?
0: No, that's not why. Was it here? Was I the-
1: don't know. <laughs> I just assumed people go to Florida to go somewhere cool, you know, some island.
0: Why should I care about Jennifer Garner the way I do? Jennifer Garner? Yes. You're talking about Ben Affleck. And Jennifer, and, and Jennifer Lopez. Right. Yes. Yes. Who were engaged to be married and had this incredible romance. Yeah. Many, many, many years ago. They called it off. Mm-hmm. He ends up marrying Jennifer Garner, having yeah. a family. It doesn't work out. Mostly, I think, because of his issues. Mm-hmm. Not to be joked about. And now after their divorce and Jennifer Garner just strikes you as the world's nicest human being. After they get divorced, he not only goes and gets married. That's not the issue. He goes and gets married to the to the woman that he's now calling his. Uh, she was the one for me all along. I mean, she, yeah. I, uh, it, it, there's there's a little salt in that wound, isn't it? I mean, that's yeah, Of course. I'm feeling terrible for Jennifer Garner. I don't know. Well, I, I I am.
1: She was pictured on the day of their wedding. She was in something called Sam's Club. Are you familiar with Sam's Club? Yeah, it's
0: like Costco. Yeah. Yeah, same it's like thing. the. I yeah. think it's.
1: The Walmart version of okay, Costco. Anyway, maybe, yeah. So she was in Sam's Club taking pictures with customers and whoever recognized her on the day of the wedding. And it just makes her more likable and more cool, right? Something great
7: when about when the her.
0: Seattle Seahawks played in the Super Bowl in New York. Remember that Super Bowl in New York? Forty-eight. Yeah. She came by Radio Row and sat down with KJR. She and did. I did, and I was introduced to her. Okay. And she was as lovely a personality and as likable a person for those 25 minutes or 20 minutes or 15 minutes as you would have thought huh. before you met her. And I don't know this, this whole thing is just not sitting well with me on Jennifer. I don't know why I should care, <laughs> but I, I, I feel like I almost feel like, um, a protective thing for Jennifer Gar. It just feels yeah. really yucky for her that he would go marry the the woman from before and call it like, Oh, we should have, we should have never called it. All. I mean, he had right. a life with Jennifer Garner. He's got kids with Jennifer Garner. I mean, this is...
5: Yeah. Uh, I don't know.
0: How,
1: how, how'd she look, by the way? Easy on the eyes in person? Jennifer Garner? Back at the Super Bowl in New
0: York? Yeah, of when, course. You, when you saw her. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> I can
1: only imagine. Beautiful.
0: <laughs> I but told you, when I saw Tyra
1: Banks, she looked like an alien. You see, but... Like, it's so not, pretty. not
0: in the Tyra Banks... Mold. No, it, Jennifer Garner is beautiful because she's kind of girl next door. She's not yeah, like... For sure. Supermodel. I mean, she doesn't blow you she's just got and, and her personality is girl I mean everything about I just feel t- it had to be a horrible weekend at Sam's club for Jennifer.
1: <laughs> well, there was a hell of a deal on coffee she said, so it was okay. all worth it. Okay. No, I don't know. You know, we laughed about your buddy Justin Bieber by the way yeah. offering up his services to yeah. help Britney Griner. And do you remember what I said about that? I said, "Yeah, it's kind of funny, but let's not forget Dennis Rodman offered to help the North Korea." Yes. Well, he's now said that he is going to China to or to Russia to get Brittany Griner. He's now thrown his hat in the ring after I <laughs> joked about it. Dennis Rodman is going to Russia. Even after the warnings that discourage American citizens from visiting the country. Do not travel to Russia. The State Department advises, citing a litany of reasons, including unprovoked and unjustified invasion (laughs) of Ukraine, harassment against U.S. citizens by Russian government security officials, and the possibility of wrongful detention, to which Robin says, I'm going. (laughs) So he's in.
0: By the way, remember I told you that I was going to a game, a baseball game with Grandpa Herbie in Washington?
1: Oh, good seats, by the way. I saw a picture, yeah. Nice seats. Do we Grandpa really have Herby's to do this? Coming up big, yeah.
0: Hey, what is that thing in the background? What picture do you have on the wall? Man?
1: <laughs> oh What's God, someone did desk? that to me
0: recently. Well, that's oh, what they- you're doing. That's what you're doing with the seats. I I tweeted we out, a picture of the field. I tweeted out a picture of the uh, a video of Juan yes. Soto being announced for the very first time in his return, and the only reaction I got from <laughs> anybody was, "Hey, those are nice seats. Where'd you get yeah. those seats? Where'd Grandpa <laughs> Herbie get those seats?" That's the same as saying, "Hey, what is that pen on your desk?" Yeah, what, what What is that in the corner of your room right there? Where'd you get that? When we got back from
1: San Bernardino, one of our neighbors decorated our house. Congratulations, streamers yeah. and balloons and the whole thing. So I took a picture. I thought that was nice. Someone said, oh boy, those trees and bushes are sure close to your house. You must be infested with bugs all over your house. Like, yeah, Thank you for completely missing the point, asshole. <laughs> God. <laughs> they do love it though. You're right. Anyway. What was
0: I going to say? Oh, I was going to tell you that that game that I went to between the Nationals and the Padres Dennis Rodman's daughter throughout the first pitch. The soccer player. I guess she's a soccer player. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't really know much about her. Well, I she, once
1: told you on this here podcast yeah. that she plays soccer uh, team at Washington USA, State right? University.
0: What? Washington she played at Wazoo. Oh, I didn't know that.
1: That I didn't know. Yeah. No. And we what? laughed about what what father daughter weekend must have been like. <laughs> so, what do you do for a living? I sell insurance. What do you do, six foot nine guy? <laughs>
0: God, oh boy! What a fun weekend. Have we not discussed Marshawn Lynch asleep at the wheel in Las Vegas? Have we done that on the other stuff? We haven't. Yet? Should yeah. we? Uh, or is that is he off limits to our audience? Uh, or what do we do with that? He's. Did you see the video on TMZ? By the way, or no? I did. Yeah, they pulled him out. They. He was asleep in. A, now explain this to me because y- you get all this better than I do. He's asleep in a car in Las Vegas on the side of the road that doesn't have a wheel. Doesn't have a tire. The front tire was completely off the car there's no oh, tire I see, I on didn't the car see that part. yeah there's no tire on the car and by what? the way can you be arrested for DUI I guess you can I guess the answer is yes but why isn't it called driving under the influence if you're in a car sleeping without a tire where, where exactly are you driving I mean you're just <laughs> it's like it's it, it there's be, the son of a lawyer <laughs> it would be it would be like one of those sleazy hotels in Vegas right it's I got a room in my car I mean I it's a, it's a it's a car without a wheel. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not putting anybody's life at, at risk. I'm not defending no, Marshawn I know Lynch. Saying, but yeah.
1: I, there used to be a law I heard that if you're drunk and then you're in yeah. your car and the car is turned off and the key's out of the ignition, yes. you can't get in trouble. But I don't. I don't think that's true anymore. I remember hearing that growing up and like, but I think they can, if you're in a car and you're under the influence in the driver's seat, I think that's the thing. Will I this negatively I'm
0: impact Marshawn Lynch at all? Will it negatively impact him?
1: I, don't, I think he's sort of like Snoop Dogg. Like if Snoop Dogg gets caught with Charles marijuana. Bar-
0: Charles Barkley. He's changed. Yeah, there's no rules. Yeah.
1: Uh, w- Willie Nelson. He, if his motorhome gets pulled over and there's marijuana inside, are we outraged? Or we just go, that's ah, Willie. I mean, it's like with Marshawn. He can't do any wrong. I mean. We're surprised that he likes to party and drink and do whatever. I'm not. That's not gonna tarnish. It Did you for have me. a problem
0: with the way they pulled him out of the car? He wasn't getting out of. The, he wasn't cooperating. That's for sure. Yeah,
1: I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, if you got to it's 2022. When the police tell you to do something, it's probably best to just do it, right? All right, I got you a see couple. His mugshot. Yeah, one eye was still shut. <laughs> still not open. What's it gonna take to wake you up? Other than getting arrested and uh, and getting a mugshot?
0: Thank God yeah. he wasn't in that condition when he got in the. Uh, in the cart at Cal Berkeley many, many years
1: ago. They, <laughs> Still they, the greatest thing he's ever done.
0: <laughs> thank God he was completely sober. Hey, um, I got a couple. Deion Sanders says too many people are getting into the Hall of Fame. Too many NFL players get in the Hall of Fame, and he's fed up about it. Here's his quote. My jacket needs to be a different color, he says. No there needs to be a starting 11. There needs to be an upper room. My head don't belong with some of these other heads that are in the Hall of Fame.
1: <laughs> thank you for being humble. <laughs> I you know, I I loved him as a player. I really did. And he is just the most unlikable blowhard to me. I can't take him. I just can't take him. Like, okay, you were one of the best, maybe the best to ever do it at your position, but maybe let other people have their moment in life. Is it possible? God, he's so annoying.
0: There's something about that last line though. My head (laughs) don't belong with some of those (laughs) other heads in the Hall of Fame.
1: He's probably not wrong, but again,
0: just be happy for other let's people a, in life. Let's let somebody else say it is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, predict. yeah, that too. Right. Yeah. Oh, God. All right. The Big Ten strikes it, Rich. You've seen this. CBS, Fox and NBC, now that UCLA and USC are going to the Big Ten, they they strike a deal with TV, uh, CBS, Fox, NBC with the Big Ten, $8 billion, an $8 mm. billion dollar television contract over eight years, a billion dollars a year. There will be a 9 a.m. game every Saturday on Fox and the Big Ten. There will be 1230 games on CBS from the Big Ten. And there will be a 5 o'clock in the evening game on NBC for the Big Tens. They want they want 20 teams ultimately in the conference. The consensus seems to be that Notre Dame, Oregon, and Washington will be three of the four left to join the Big Ten. Are you going to be okay with the UW in the Big Ten earning a portion of that eight billion dollars will i be okay with that yeah i
1: think i'll survive okay
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i'll be just fine with that. 20 teams they want they want 20 teams ultimately now somebody might say well they could go after the acc teams because it seems like there's going to be two mega conferences the the sec and the big 10 you got the you got the big 12 and the ac still acc still kind of lingering around hanging in the balance but uh, yeah they want 20 teams ultimately in the big 10 i think they'd like the seattle market Absolutely. Maybe Stanford. Uh, yeah. Everybody wants Notre Dame, obviously, but um, maybe Stanford to have the San Francisco, a little bit of the Bay Area market. Mm-hmm. But uh, the guy the guy did a deal for eight billion dollars and he's already looking into a a um, a plan to pay the players a portion of that money. So the Big Ten seems to be way ahead of the curve. Yeah. Um, did you see what Chandler Redmond did? No. While we were on vacation, Chandler Redmond of the Springfield double-A team of the St. Louis Cardinals hot Shot. Okay. He was playing a double-A game in Amarillo, Amarillo Texas. hmm In the first inning, he had an RBI single. In the third inning, he struck out. So what is he? He's one for two with an RBI yeah. single? He then had a two-run homer in the fifth, a grand slam homer in the sixth, <laughs> a solo homer in the seventh, oh, and he topped it off with a three-run homer in the eighth, he hit for the home run cycle, a wow. solo one run, a solo two run, three run and grand slam. Throw in an RBI single in the first and of the four home runs, three of them were to the opposite field. He's a left hander. He hit him to left field. Three of the four Jeez. went went towards the, the left field side.
1: How the hell are they batting around the lineup every inning?
0: They scored 21 runs in the game. Wow. And That'll that's how it. they did it. But uh, <laughs> yeah. he becomes only the second player on record in minor league history to hit four home runs uh, each version. The cycle wow. of the of the home runs has that been done in the major leagues? I don't know that it's been done in the major leagues. I don't think so. I Can't imagine.
1: Didn't Mike Cameron have a crazy game where he had four home runs? He did,
0: but he did certainly was not it wasn't the, the cycle. No, yeah, it was not the cycle. Not the unreal. Cycle. And as if the Earl Thomas saga. The largest residential fire in the history of Orange, Texas, destroyed the home of Earl Thomas. Not sure how I missed that. It's unbelievable. Every 10 or 12 days, you pick up the yeah. newspaper or you pick up, you go on the Internet and there's something, something unfortunate about the former safety of the Seattle Seahawks. In this case, he was home. They're calling it a lightning strike. The lightning struck his house. The house went up in, in, in flames and they were not able to save the house he obviously wow. and everybody inside were were okay, were evacuated and okay. But just more in the saga that is Earl Thomas after the National Football League. Snake really sad, bitten. Really sad. But it really got, is. What do you got over there? So I don't know how to say this guy's
1: name. David Vase or Vasea? I don't know. He thought it would be entertaining for viewers to see him copy Milwaukee Brewers mascot Bernie Brewer oh, yeah. and go down the giant white slide yeah. at the ballpark. Yeah. So he was right but it came at a cost for the television and radio reporter for the Dodgers. So he previously recorded himself at the top of the slide, but went back to have a full slide down filmed. That's when the trouble started. He actually went down it pretty quickly and stuck his right hand out to brace himself as he crashed into the side of the bottom of the slide, breaking two bones in his right wrist and cracking six ribs in the process in the Wednesday night (laughs) incident. And there is video of it if you care to see that. Poor guy.
0: He didn't take into consideration that the guy who normally goes down there is Bernie the Brewer or whatever you call him, Bernie the guy. He's in Bernie a Brewer, yeah. he's in a big padded suit. <laughs> True, okay, <yeah. laughs> he's got natural protection so that when he slams into the wall, this guy didn't <sighs> never consider. Yeah, I, I saw the whole thing, and it was the announcers thought it was funny. Everybody thought it was funny. I guess it's funny, but silly nonetheless. No question.
1: Giving about it. it up for his job. I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna go down the slide and. He, Now he's in traction for the next six weeks. So you see Dick Vitale announced he's officially cancer-free again. I did not see that. He announced that on Wednesday. He said in a series of tweets he got the great news from his doctor following a myriad of tests this week. Dick, you have gone from being in remission to being cancer-free, Vitale said, of what his doctor told him. Thank you to all of you that have sent me prayer. So that's good news. We both love him. That's awesome. Yeah, great to hear You see the Missouri pastor that went viral after ripping into his congregation, calling them poor, broke, busted, and disgusted? No, I did not. Their sin, of course, not buying him an expensive watch, according to reports. Pastor Carlton Funderburk of Kansas City was caught on video making the comments when members of his congregation would not purchase him a Movado watch, which ranged between $400 to $4,000. I'm If not worth your McDonald's money. I'm not worth your Red Lobster money. Thunderbird told his parishioners at the church, oh, I ain't worth your St. John Knits. Y'all oh, can't afford it know-how. Oh, God. So, of course, this went viral, and he did apologize at some point. He said, no context could erase the words I use. I apologize to all the people that have been hurt or angered or in any way damaged by my words. So best wishes to him, and hopefully with the good Lord willing, he'll get that watch.
0: I've got a CNN legal expert Jeffrey Tubin leaving the network after 20 years. Is he the one that? Yes. That's what. Okay. I, that's what I was going to ask. When I say Jeffrey Tubin, you think oh, yeah. of what? Touchy selfie on camera in a work meeting. I don't know if it was touchy selfie, but I know that he exposed himself, I believe, unintentionally on some sort of a Zoom work yes. meeting, which went viral, and that was not a that was not a very pleasant sight. Twenty years after joining CNN, he was always the well respected legal expert. Jeffrey Tubin is now leaving CNN to work on himself and and to write a new book. He's written a, a bunch of books. I'm sorry to say that Len Dawson, the Hall of Fame quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, is in hospice, Mm -hmm. hospice care in Kansas City. That's no good. 87 years old. You remember him if you're old enough as a football player. Probably not old enough to remember that, but certainly a great announcer. He played in the second Super Bowl? He sure did. Yeah. He sure did. He, He was a good announcer for many years on NBC. Always one of the real colorful characters of the game. Len Dawson not doing well. And then my RIPs. We have not talked about Olivia Newton-John. Have we on the show or did we do that? I was in a
1: restaurant in Greenville, North Carolina when I saw the news and I swear on everything physical came on like three songs later, right after I saw the news, she passed. I think she came down to hit play on her song so we could all remember her. But yeah, sad. kind
0: of like Jennifer Garner. I'm not sure exactly why I I can't get my arms around this. This really hit me hard. I don't know Olivia Newton-John. I know that she had a, a like a 10 year fight with breast cancer. All yep. I know is if you're my age then you remember you remember Greece, you remember John Travolta, you remember Sandra D, you remember that movie you fell in love with Olivia Newton-John. It was just so hard to see that she had passed away. You and I I think talked about Anne Hesch getting into an accident, but I don't know that we ever talked about her passing away as a result of the injuries from that accident where she crashed her car into yeah. somebody's house in a neighborhood. Yeah, we weren't
1: there yet. I told you she had two hit and runs. She ran into like a apartment complex, right. a storage unit or something, backed out, took off. And then the big one was she smashed into someone's house right. Right. and ended up dying from smoke inhalation. Terrible. And, yeah, charred clothing, and they pulled her off life support.
0: And then, and then the one that really, really is sad. I mean, really sad. I mean, you talk about a lot of these people that are in their 80s or 70s. In her case, she was in her 50s. But how about this one? Former University of Washington baseball star, World Series star, Cy Young, Northwest native, Tim Linsicum. Yeah. Lost his wife at age 38. Yeah. The former, what was he? Um, where, did, where did he play? It's like Liberty? Did he play at Liberty? Liberty High School. Liberty High School, yeah.
1: Yep, and then UW, and then the Mariners decided to go ahead and pass on him because he's too small.
0: And they picked, no, that's not why. I don't know if it was too small oh, or the, the funky delivery. Remember, they picked the guy from uh, Cal instead. Derek Lowe or something? No, or? no, no. I'll come up with his name. I'll come up with Derek his name. Oh, it's no. not Derek Lowe. It was a Lowe. Okay. Uh, it was a reliever. It was a reliever from Cal Berkeley. Same year as Lincecum. Same conference. Lincecum, yes, was too small and had a funky delivery. And the Mariners went a different way. God, I'm having, I'm just at a blank at what his name is. I'll come up with the name.
1: By the way, Kristen Coleman was her name, and she passed away following a battle with cancer in late Jesus. June. I know she was an elementary school teacher and principal, and yeah, 38 years old. Sad one. Really, bad. I didn't mean to get into RIPS. I got some other stuff oh, here. Oh, go
0: ahead. Good. You want to? You see go back? that story about Akeeb Talib? Yes, and his brother getting into a fight with like a uh, an like a high school football coach or something, or somebody got killed. Yeah, it was a youth football shot. game. Yes.
1: Yeah. Turned fatal shooting over the weekend. The clip shows the moment five shots were fired at a man at a kid's football game. With several of the shots coming as the man was retreating, the man falls to the ground while running away. Moments immediately following the shooting, 36-year-old Akib appears to make a beeline for the shooter, allegedly his 39-year-old brother, before both men seemingly turn to leave the field. There's video of it, if that's something you're into. Um, it looks like that his brother turned himself into authorities in Lancaster, Texas, where he was booked for murder at a kid's football game. Yikes. All right, Metallica frontman James James Hetfield, who I know you love, he and his wife (laughs) are getting divorced for more than after two decades. They got married in 1997. They met in 1992. So now James gets to be James Hetfield of Metallica, if you know what I'm saying. Finally, he gets to be James Hetfield out there. But he's 59 years old, so he probably even doesn't have the energy should to go I, be in <laughs>
0: Should I know who this is?
1: At I, Metallica. I, yeah, I
0: don't even know. I know Metallica, but should I know this person's name or not?
1: Um most people your age would. Brandon Morrow. Yes, Brandon Morrow. Brandon
0: Morrow was the name. how did he turn of, out? World nah. Series appearances? No. Saw Young's, that no, kind of thing? No.
1: Oh no. No, it didn't work. Okay. Out. No. You see your your buddy Tommy Lee, not to be confused with your old program director. The, the uh, Motley Crue drummer? Yes. Well, he went full frontal on Instagram, leaving some fans who never saw that thing aghast. The 59-year-old doesn't have a shy bone in his body, as we know, uploading the Snap Thursday while chilling in a tub. Now, he put a caption on the picture that said, oops, but no one's buying the oops. I think he was just dying to show off that serpent that resides below his belly button. So the ex cap, uh, captioned it, oops. There were a lot of comments. His wife, Brittany Ferland responded, oh, my God. And comedian Ryan Sickler replied, does the camera add five pounds? <laughs> <laughs> Dating app Grinder jumped on the train, said, wrong app, babe. Oh, God. There were, of course, criticisms. Some fans were disgusted, asking him to take it down. It's since been 86 from Instagram. But if you look hard enough, you could probably find it if you wanted Jesus, to. Jesus. All right. Uh, RIP's Luke Knox. I got Luke you. Knox.
0: Yes, you see that one right from down here. Yeah, FIU. Yeah, a football player and the brother of a Buffalo Bills football player died. Yeah. Knox. Do we do we know what happened to him? As was of it?
1: this, I couldn't find anything. He yeah. died at the age of 22. Yes. Um, the, the, the cause of death not revealed. Spokesperson for FIU Police Department said cops responded to one of the campus dorms on Wednesday after right. receiving a call about a medical emergency. So officers did work on him. Um, he was transported to a nearby hospital, but later died there. 22 gosh i know
0: quite a handful is that the only one you got we got olivia well, newton, i had Johnny. the other
1: three yes yeah yeah olivia newton by the way her voice it's not like anyone else i know people love to say that but if you go back and listen to her voice it really is unique isn't it
0: hopelessly devoted to you from oh. from the uh, soundtrack of greece nothing so great nothing quite like it okay you have any headlines before we get out of here do you want to just I got a couple you got something to yeah. People have been left thoroughly grossed out by
1: a TikTok video that appears to show a woman freezing her positive pregnancy test in a popsicle what? before peeing it to her partner as a way of revealing she's pregnant. Now, everybody knows that you pee on those, right? But she put it in a popsicle, froze it so we could eat around it and then figure out what they're having. It's pretty gross and all, but it could have been a fudgesicle. A suspected meteor... Caught on Jesus. camera streaking across the sky in Utah. And because it's Utah, of course, the meteor was arrested for indecent exposure. A metal object believed to have fallen from a transatlantic jet came crashing down outside the Maine State House, landing with a loud bang just feet from a Capitol police worker. In other words, a plane, it rained and it landed in Maine.
0: Oh, very good, Hotshot. A little My
1: Fair Lady reference for you. There How you go. Do you and know finally, My Fa- you don't know
0: My <clears throat> Fair Lady. Come That's on.
1: true. I, I I don't know Broadway shows at all.
0: Come on, the will Get you married in the morning. morning. I don't on know on them the at all. I mean. Chime. <laughs> Pull out the stopper. <laughs> Okay, Let's on. have a whopper, but get me right. to the church, church on, time. on time. If I yes. am whistling, whoop me out the door. Now go ahead. I hate I, those I things. I love them. And things.
1: finally, a yeah. bar in New Zealand posted the sign on the window saying, "Wanted: Part-time bar staff. Apply within. Must have double D breasts, what? a great smile, and a good attitude." What? I start in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, probably not a good sign in 2022, huh?
0: Oh, dear. All right. We did it. Piper's doing okay. The Sodans are doing okay. She's probably already into basketball season or something. Basketball AAU, right? She's probably already on to the next thing.
1: She had a pretty decent game in game one at the World Series behind the plate. Yeah. And I got a message from somebody on Facebook who is a coach of a travel team and said, hey, we I don't know if Piper has a team, but, you know, we'd like to see her when we get back great we'll talk and then she had that next game where it wasn't so great and then two days later it was like uh we filled our roster <laughs> thanks anyway <laughs> a tough lesson for the 13 year old to learn
0: <laughs> we got a young lady we got a young lady moving here from west <laughs> texas that's right that's exactly right oh All boy right. episode 203 ladies and gentlemen like it or not it's in the books